here we go. Let us see if we can establish communication. Gordon Michael Scallion, are you there? Uh, well, as usual. Hold on, Gordon. Let me put you over here, <laughs> as usual. All right, now let us try it. Gordon, are you there? Good morning, Art. Good morning, and welcome to the program. Thank you. Gordon, you are way back. You're in New Hampshire, right? Yes, we're the opposite uh, part of the country from where you are. Exactly. We're about uh, less than 100 miles from, uh, about 100 miles from the coast. By the way, I'm I'm flattered. Um, you're you're a ham radio operator, and so am I. And earlier in the day when we talked, you told me, you heard me on seventy-five, on eighty-five, the, uh, 38, right, thirty-eight, thirty-eight, eighty-five, right, seventy-five meter band. Correct. And you heard me all the way back there in New Hampshire. Correct. So um, I was I was quite surprised, and and it was very clear. And um, in fact, um, in a couple of weeks, when um, next time you do that. I'm going to attempt to uh, to join you. Oh, now that'll be fun. And there'll be a lot of people looking forward to that. All right, uh, Gordon. Uh, I'm not sure where we begin, but I guess at the beginning. There are a lot of new radio stations out there. They don't know who you are and why you can do what you can do. So I guess in the way you want to lay it out, how in the world did all of this happen to you? I mean, how did it come to the point where you could begin to see things, uh, visions. Uh, begin at the beginning. The beginning was 1979. Uh, I was living in Florida, and at the time I, I was living on a 30-foot sailing sloop. And um, my vocation at that time was uh, communications and electronics, and I was heavily into video and satellite communications. And right. Acted uh, much as a consultant and was able to um, do a lot of sailing and then come ashore and work for a few months. And uh, I thought my life was probably as uh, as perfect as you can get it. Um, it does sound nice. Yeah, um, was on the on the Gulf Coast of Florida and uh, and you were, everything about it was wonderful. And you were you were in business. I mean, you were regular business. What kind what kind of work? The, the business was uh, consulting, but my my background is is electronics. And uh, so I acted in the sense of helping people design uh, satellite uplink systems and video systems, uh, educational uh, applications. So most of it was uh, was technical in nature, and it was also showing people how they can use um, video, which was uh, just starting to come in in a large way at that time, uh, how they could use it for educational purposes. So it was it was. Uh, perhaps 50% technical, and the other 50% was was just uh, finding applications for for the technology. Fascinating. So it was very very um, very linear uh, world kind of a job. Sure, real world job. And in that regard, our lives, your life and my life, have so many parallels. It's striking um, in our early life. Uh, but but then at some point, and I'm remembering uh, vaguely the story. But you were in the middle of cutting some kind of big business deal, right? And you were giving an address to a group of businessmen, mm -hmm. and that's where it all began, huh? It, it began at a at a meeting. Um, I used to uh, work very very hard uh, for short periods of time trying to um, put together uh, packages for, for for schools in particular. This one was a school, um, and then uh, the package would make me enough money where I could afford to then just go sailing for six months. So mm -hmm. I would I would work around the clock uh, very hard for three to four months and then uh, then go sailing for as long as, as, as the money would last me. Um, and in the process of a presentation, um, and, the, and the deal was a, 
with well over a quarter of a million dollars of uh, of, uh, of sales, of which a very large percentage would have gone to me. And I, and and so it's important that people understand. Here you were in, in right in the middle of something that would have made you a lot of money, put you back uh, sailing where you wanted to be for a long time. So your motivation would have been to finish it big time. Finish it and uh, and then and then uh, load up with. Uh, uh, load the sailboat up and just just head off to the Tortugas or or somewhere in the island. And um, in the middle of the presentation, uh, just at the point where I was starting to get down to um, the final part of the presentation. And by the way, this this was almost this was a shoe in kind of a of a presentation. It was it was a foregone conclusion. I had solved the problems and it was just a, a formality. But in the middle of it, um, I lost my voice. It. Uh, it didn't crack. It didn't, you know, go erratic. It simply it didn't get ho- it didn't get hoarse the way you do when you get a very bad cold or something like that. It truly, actually stopped. It was like someone had removed um, my larynx uh, from my throat. Could you even whisper? No. It was uh, there, there. You could. I couldn't even make a guttural sound or, or any anything at all. Uh, trying to bring up. I can remember trying to. Uh, force air from my lungs up just so I could, uh, you know, I mean, I could, it seems like I could almost cough, but I, I couldn't get any kind of a sound out whatsoever. Um, so, obviously... But there was, no, I, I should also say, there, there was no pain. I had absolutely no no pain, no pain or no discomfort. Hmm. So, obviously, the people there would have thought, this guy's having a stroke, probably, or a heart attack, possibly. Or something, and so I mean, what happened? You stood there on the podium, and you couldn't make a sound. And what happened? Um, yeah, the person I was making the presentation to um, uh, couldn't deal with it. He had recently gone through a problem in his family with a, a stroke uh, uh, relative. Had a stroke, and that, that relative um, was, was exhibiting some of the same uh, symptoms. So. He immediately said, uh, you know, let me call, uh, let me call the hospital, let me call the ambulance, you know, and, and sure. I was making him more nervous because I was, I was going into some kind of a, of a mental shock, not a physical one. I just couldn't un- understand it. So, um, uh, it got I, to the point after like a, a few minutes where he did pick up the phone and he called, uh, he made a call to, uh, the emergency rescue and, um, and I told him, you know, I, I ended up writing a note back and, and, and just try to calm them down, and uh, anyways, uh, I ended up uh, at the uh, at the hospital. You were probably having a panic attack as well. What's yeah, known as you know uh, in- increased heart rate, uh, cold and clammy, sweating, other symptoms. Uh, it would have scared the hell out of me, and so that would have been, I'm sure, my response. Um, I don't recall uh, all the symptoms of the time. I I remember the panic at this stage, and I remember the fact that. Um, the thought to my mind was, is this a stroke? I mean, I had no no physical problems uh, while I was there, so I, I, it wasn't like I had a, any kind of a known condition in the, the past. It was totally unknown to me. Um, so I went into the hospital, and, I, and by the time maybe an hour had gone by, and I was still in the same state, and, and they immediately had um, uh, a doctor come in. An intern came in first, and a doctor came in, and he, he uh, did the eyes, ears, nose, and throat. Uh, examination and, uh, and looked at me and uh, did some other kind of uh, measurements, uh, the normal workup that they do, and uh, and he would talk to me and then I would write on a on a pad, uh, 
you know, answers to his questions. Um, and he said uh, at the time, he said, um, we're going to have to do some, some studies on you. He says, I, I don't see anything at this stage, he says, that indicates uh, anything. I believe they did an EKG uh, and some other, other kind of monitoring work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he put me, um, kept me in a, an end of a ward, I think, which was like an intensive ward. Um, he put me in a, in a room and he said, we're just going to have to uh, uh, monitor you and we're going to have to do some, some tests in the morning. Uh, and he said that, you know, he was trying to calm me down and saying that I don't see anything that, that's coming up here. Uh, and he kept asking me these, the same period of questions. He kept saying, is, is there anything stressful in your life now? Hmm. Is there, uh, uh, are you on any kind of medication? Are you on any drugs? Well, uh, you, in a, in a way, you did have stress, or maybe you didn't regard it as stress, but you were giving a very, very important presentation. That is stress. Well, he was, uh, I'm sure I was, uh, I was stressful when I first came in, when I first met him. A half hour later or an hour later, I was less stressful. And I, I think I was at, at this point probably a lot of fear and, uh, sure. and really feeling, uh, uh, scared. And I can remember the thoughts were that, that, um, that this must be some kind, it's either a stroke that I'm having of some type or if, it, if it's not that, that somehow I've, um, I've just gone over the edge. You know, I, I must have been pressing something. I mean, I can remember the, the, the laundry list of things that went through my mind at the time. Well, I would think if you couldn't speak, you know, if no sounds would come out, uh, the last thing you would suspect would be mental, be, because it would seem absolutely physical, whether or not it was mental. It would certainly seem physical. So, you know, they did the test. They didn't find anything. I guess then what? They slammed you in the hospital for observation. They uh, they hooked me up, uh, put a couple of IVs in each arm, uh, put some kind of a, of a monitor on me. And um, and set me up in a in a bed and um, and I and turned the TV on and so it was there and uh, so I, I was being monitored. I had these two IVs uh, attached to either arm on either side of the bed and some other cables on me. And you know by this time it's probably uh, 11 o'clock or so uh, p.m. in the evening mm-hmm. and I'm just sitting sitting up in bed and and. Um, I don't think I thought that I was having, I mean, it wasn't an original thought that I was uh, going off the deep end until he, until the doctor actually started asking questions about uh, my, my background and my family and whether or not I've ever had uh, uh, depression and, you know, and all these questions, you know. Had, like, had you, by the way? I no, mean, was there no, anything uh, in your earlier exactly. life? No, I haven't. And not that, you know, not that I'm aware of. Uh, I mean, it wasn't anything that, um, that I was consciously aware of. Okay. Uh, so I would have to say no. All right. Uh, so, so then they begin asking you questions. They're trying to figure out what's wrong, ranging from the physical to the mental. Nothing seems to be showing up. I mean, there you are. You're in the hospital, yeah. and there's no and, found and every, cause. And, every, and, every, and, and at this time, everybody has has left. I'm, so I'm in this room by myself. Uh, you know, they've done all the, the questions. Um, they've left, and in the morning they're going to do a series of tests. They're going to do. Mm-hmm. Whatever, and I have absolutely no idea what they're going to do other than he said they're going to do a lot of tests, and he mentions a couple of doctors' names that he he'll call in to uh, that I'll meet. Uh, still not knowing who these people are or what they're going to do. Sure. And uh, and then um, I remember, you know, the news was on uh, 11 p.m. and and it was at that moment that 
phenomena started occurring. So the first thing that occurred is that I started observing uh, light. They were more of a purple, glowish light that seemed to be coming from outside of the uh, in the hallway. Uh, the doors had swinging doors with glass windows. And I started to observe it, and at first I looked at it, and I thought that maybe it was some kind of um, equipment that they had out in the hallway that they were doing, and it was just light reflecting. And so I, I, I mm-hmm. continued... Um, uh, watching the news, and I was uh, I was uh, making notes, uh, trying to figure out. Uh, in fact, I think I began to try to compose a letter to, uh, to the client, uh, just to apologize for what was going on. But that was one of the things I had started, I had, had in pencil there, and which I had been using sure. for notes. Sure. And then uh, I didn't pay too much attention, and then a few minutes later, I, I observed that this light was uh, had entered into the room, and it was at the the bottom of the room, and I looked down at the floor to see if it was coming underneath the, the swinging doors. And as I looked down, uh, the room filled up with light, this purple light. Now, and, uh, that's where I want to stop you and ask you, when you say it filled up with light, was it emanating from a an identifiable source, or was it uh, scattered um, general light covering the whole room? It seemed like the this, this sphere that I saw... Uh, sphere. This, it, it seemed like it was a, a small sphere, probably the size of a, of a grapefruit at first, uh, at the end of the room near the door, which, again, oh. I, thought it, I thought it was light coming underneath the door. And then it kind of, the sphere was at the end of the bed, probably a, a foot or two from the end of the bed, just this, this sphere. And from that sphere, uh, rays of, of purple, uh, violet, indigo colors, um, mostly in that spectrum. And they were like shafts of light uh, that came out. And as they came out, it was almost like a, a mist that filled, that filled the room. So, it, and, I, and I could look around. And even at this stage, I'm still thinking that it's something, you know, my, my technical mind is thinking that this is something uh, technical that's going on. And, and you know, I don't, I've been, when I've been sailing, I have seen um, what they call ball lightning. I've sure. had that experience uh, on my sailboat. Sure. Um, especially, you know, in strong electrical storms, I've seen stuff hit my uh, uh, my mast and come down uh, my spreaders. So I've seen that, and it was very similar to that. And I said, I said, you know, I, I couldn't figure out how it could be, but it, that's where my mindset was. Maybe was, from a, you know, something the hospital was doing. I, I could imagine that you could imagine that. Sure. Yeah. Um, the uh, a few minutes passed by, and, and I just kind of was observing it. Um, at this stage, I I was nervous. Uh, but I, 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 I wasn't panicky, but I, but I was, I was nervous. It was just kind of mist. Uh, the next thing that happened is that, um, where the mist had been created in the room, all of a sudden, symbols seemed to float. It was like, would be like balloons floating in the air, and on these balloons would be, would be symbols. And some of these symbols were, uh, were symbols of, uh, like pyramids, and some of these were, were a really strange, a strange, uh, language. Similar to hieroglyphic, but but much different. Uh, and they were um, they were just floating, and then a series of um, of shafts of light seemed to disappear uh, beneath the uh, the floor and go up to the ceiling. And at this time, um, I began to to lose it. I really began to. I believe. was about to say I'd freak yeah. out at that yeah. point. At, at this stage, I I'm I'm remembering why he's asking me these questions, and I'm thinking these doctors he wants me to see tomorrow. Uh, you know our our psychiatrist and uh, and uh, they're going to commit me and and I really start to lose it and I back up into into the bed I dig my heels in and I can remember I I, I moved so abruptly that the the two IV bottles 
that were in my arms began uh, to sway back and forth. And so I reached to grab one so it didn't fall on the floor. It was just like a reaction. And I'm still, you know, my head is swinging around looking at because it's a kaleidoscope of colors and images and symbols and, and rainbows of colors. Uh, and as I moved to, to, to grab one IV bottle, the other one starts to swing. And they're pulling at, at, at my arm. And then I reach down for the nurse call button that was clipped on the edge of the bed. Right. And and when I had reached over to get that bottle, I had jerked so hard that I had uh, dislodged uh, a pillow and and the nurse call button. So the nurse call button cable is now down on the floor. Uh, the two IV bottles are swinging back and forth, and 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 these symbols now are are just filling the room, and they seem to be moving closer to me. They're still pretty much at a perimeter around the bed, the end of the bed, uh, but they're not they're not close to me. They're still like six feet away. You re- um, you remember all this, Gordon, in such remarkable detail. Did you have to sit down and reconstruct this, or is this one of those things that, as it occurred, was being indelibly imprinted on your mind? Yeah, I, I think of, of any experience in my life, um, uh, this is the one that that, that I have recalled uh, so many times. It was it was it was like um, it was the closest thing that I've ever experienced to actually shock. And and I realized that later, you know, that the next day, that the greatest thing I was fearful of is that I, that it wasn't a phenomena. It wasn't that I was seeing phenomena that was bothering me as much as I felt that that my God, I really have lost it. This is this is what the mental illness is like. I, is no, what, all this seems so logical, and I I would think exactly the same things. Sure, I'd think I was losing it. And uh, after all, you'd lost your voice. They were asking you questions that uh, meant they considered there was a psychological problem of some sort there. And so this would just add to that, plus it would it would frighten you terribly. So um, there are the symbols. Uh, it, it's still going on. I, I, I didn't mean to stop your story. No. It's just that you had it in such great detail that I was wondering how that happened, whether you remembered later or it just was there. It was there, and, it, and it, it, it's like an instant recall. I can place myself back there. Um, in fact, uh, since that day, if I was to, if someone was to ask me about an event, uh, most important event in my life, for example, that had happened a year before or five years before, um, I would have some difficulty recalling events prior to that that day. It would be vague. I mean, it would be like. Yeah, I, I did have the sailboat, and yeah, I, I did go sailing, and I went here. All right, but, but the imagery would be very vague. Just before, uh, uh, we're coming to the bottom of the hour very quickly, uh, but I uh, before we continue the story, I want to ask you this. As you think back on it now, did it seem to happen in real linear time, or when you think back on it, did it seem like a slow-motion thing? Uh, there was uh, there was absolutely no awareness of time. The only The only realization that I had at all, was that the images uh, went from the from the, the symbols to and they and within an instant they all evaporated. All right, hold it right there. They all evaporated. We'll pick up right at that point when we come back, which we will. Gordon Michael Scallion once again, Gordon. Uh, so there we are, the images, what did they do? Did they uh, flicker out or just like somebody threw a switch? It was like a switch. It, um, it, the mist and all the symbols that were floating 
uh, immediately uh, grew back into the sphere. Uh, and the sphere then grew uh, about the size of, of a basketball. Uh, again, it was a purple. Uh, all kinds of, uh, of golden sparks were emanating from it. Um, and it seemed to have a slight motion to it as far as uh, rotating. And that sphere moved from where it was several feet from the end of my bed and moved onto the bed uh, about two or three feet above my feet and slowly started moving towards me. Mm-hmm. And um, and then once again, uh, I really, you know, I really dug in. I dug my heels in and uh, and just flew back, and the IV bottles once more began to swing. And I can remember trying to scream, having totally forgotten uh, why I was even in the hospital. I could just remember uh, just trying to scream, and nothing came out. I think um, I think a kid would have gone under the covers. <laughs> um, something happened like that to me. I'd pull the covers over me. <laughs> the um, uh, and then inside of the sphere, um, a uh, a figure started to appear. And then for, for some strange reason, uh, and I can remember this part uh, probably more so than any other part of it, is that a calmness came over me. I can just remember that there was a calmness coming over me. And I can remember that there was a thought in my, my head at that time because uh, right after this, uh, this experience, I, I wrote down some notes of what I was experiencing because I figured I'm going to see the doctor in the morning and I've got to you know, maybe it'll help him fix me. Mm-hmm. I tell him you know, what, what I was experiencing. Um, but I had this calmness. And I saw a woman's face begin to appear in the sphere. And I said, I know what this is. I said, I, I've got it. It's, it's these IV bo- bottles, the two IVs. I'm having some kind of a, of a drug reaction sure. uh, to this. And this is what it is. And then I became even calmer. And I said, wow, this is, this is a, an interesting trip. And I can remember actually just getting into it. Um, now, whether that was, you know, my subconscious mind... Uh, way of dealing with shock of just trying to convince myself it was something else um, I really don't know I just know that, that this, this image appeared and it became the, the sphere became a woman uh, just her head and it, it was um, a woman who was I've never seen before I haven't seen since um, probably reminded me of, of uh, what we see for a, a school teacher you know your, your kindergarten or first grade school teacher that might have been in the in the 40s or 50s yeah. Reminding me of that, had the silver gray hair, and I remember the uh, the hazel uh, colored eyes and the higher cheekbone, and and she had this um, oh, uh, the kind of a face that was um, like a teacher, somebody who somebody who you would pay attention to, and uh, uh, and her lips were moving, and I could hear her in my head, but not with my ears, and huh. it took me a few seconds to, to realize. That, that was going on, and then I would flash back between boy, these IVs, the drugs in here, uh, really, really cause you to hallucinate. And and then she proceeded to, to tell me that um, uh, that there was going to be great changes in, in in my my life and in the world, um, and that I should remember uh, the things that she was she was telling me, and uh, proceeded to tell me about uh, about some things that, that were going to happen re- uh, regarding uh, natural disasters. Uh, and in the process of that, she would show me, uh, she would say, now look. And then as I was looking at the sphere, I would all of a sudden, I would be looking at, at the world from a high altitude, looking down at the world. Right. And she said, I want you to watch these changes. 
in the world. And I would watch the United States just landmass changing. And then she said, now I want you to, to, to watch this. And so um, there was a series of these images that lasted, um, uh, I know exactly how long it because this started a little after 11, and I remember uh, the last image ended just as I heard uh, Ed McMahon say, uh, and here's Johnny. <laughs> and so I knew <laughs> that, you know. 11.30. It was 11.30. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, after she showed those things, it, it immediately the sphere just, just went away. And then I was back. Uh, the room was back to normal. The television set was on, and uh, and I jotted down, you know, as much as, as I could recall at that time of of, of what she had said. All right, two more. two questions, quick ones at this point. Who do you think she was? Uh, to this date, I have beaten that horse <laughs> to a pulp. I'm sure. I still do not know. Um, my my current theory is that uh, it was something that I created in my. Uh, my, my subconscious, the superconscious uh, mind, to um, open me up or to to, to uh, just get my attention. You so know, maybe I, I to think, throw some kind of switch. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I I don't know. Uh, you know, I I thought is this a, a discarnate spirit that, that came to, uh, uh, to to guide me? Is this somebody who came uh, to warn me about something? But the things that they, she was saying really scared me. I mean, the things she was showing me and, and telling me really really disturbed me. And, um, well, are, are these things uh, that you likely would have conjured up yourself under any other circumstance, uh, Michael? I don't think so. I, I think if I was going to um, conjure up anything, it might be, uh, you know, uh, a destructive thing for me would be, you know, I'd be out sailing and I hit a bad storm, which, you know, I, I did I did uh, sail through a, through a tropical storm once with hurricane velocity winds, and it sounds like that might be you know, something that would uh sure. terrifying for me. But uh at at this at this stage my, my total interest was in sailing and in business. It had nothing I had no interest um uh, in anything else. I mean that wasn't part of my, my mindset. All right. Well I guess the next thing is you were shown these things. So you would be sitting there asking yourself, uh like the guy in the movie, Oh God, why me? What why me? Uh have at, what conclusions have you come to there? In other words, um George Burns, I think it was, kept asking, why me? Why would God pick me to bring a message? Why would anybody, an entity, or even something that's been activated in you, why you, Gordon? Uh, at, at that time and for several years after that time, a couple of years after, that, that was never part of my thought process. It, my thought process at that time and, and shortly thereafter uh, had more to do with uh, what was wrong in my life. You know, what, what did... I was not seeing this as prophetic vision. Uh, everything I saw scared me because the, the next day when when they came to wake me up in the morning and have my my test, my voice came back to normal. It was back to normal and then and then it started, you know, well you need to see this doctor, you know, and and, and the doctor was uh, it going through the questions, you know, do you have uh, any mental illness in your family? Are you stressed? And you hate your father. Yeah, and all that yeah. so so the whole thing was that uh I was really back in, 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 and I also remember because my, my childhood until probably age of 14 or 15, like many people, was very strong Catholicism. Uh, you know, mass was a daily experience for me and religious, religious instructions, uh, Monday through Friday was a normal thing for me. And so the only thing I could, uh, imagine was that it, this was, this was something, uh, 
religious. Religious. This was this was the devil, or this was a possession of some type. It's interesting. Just let me note here, Gordon. People with religious backgrounds who see UFOs or have some sort of paranormal experience almost always take it as a religious uh, experience, don't they? Uh, many of the people uh, that have uh, shared their experiences with me share a very similar, and, and this is from all doctrines, whether it's Buddhism or Judaism, it doesn't matter. But, they, but you're right, they, they do seem to have in some point in their life, they've, they've been exposed to it in some fashion. I take somehow. it, I, I take it, uh, Gordon, you don't rule that out. No. At this stage, um, there were times in 1982, 85 again, 87, where I, I said, okay, I figured it out. This is what it is. And then all of a sudden, another experience in my life would happen, and I would say, no, it's not that. Mm -hmm. um, I'd, I'd have to say, uh, and I've had literally tens of thousands of visions since then, that I probably know less about the mechanism today mm -hmm. than, than I did back then. Well, I just don't know. Okay, the progression then was to healing. And um, if you would again tell that story, you know, I guess that's, is that the first thing other than the initial visions that were shown to you that began to manifest itself after all of this, this ability to seemingly to diagnose or heal? Yeah, for, for the, the very next day was probably my, my first uh, experience with, uh, with healing, though I didn't know it for several months. And that's when I left the hospital. Uh, I saw a man who was going into the hospital, uh, obviously for some kind of treatment, and uh, and a man was or was standing outside who had a uh, a dog. I remember it was an Irish Setter dog, and I remember seeing colors around the man that that were very muted colors, very uh, very muted, and not a lot of life around these colors. And yet the dog was full of bright colors, and the and his owner. Um, I remember it was full of bright colors, and, and I said, my God, I lost my voice, and now I'm losing my vision. Mm. Um, so that was the first first kind of, you know, thing that indicated to me that there was something else, and I learned a couple of years later that uh, when that, that ability was, was there all the time, it wasn't there now and then. Like, the visions would come and go, but the, but the ability to see auras uh, happened at that time and just stayed. And after a period of time, I, I learned what that was about, and... And that, uh, my very first experience with all of the phenomena that was going on was, was, was with healing. How did you, how did you begin to relate auras that you would see or things that you were able to diagnose? In other words, that ability that now apparently existed in you. How, other than what, you know, at the hospital, how did you start to put it all together? Um, it took about, uh, two years for me to, uh, to really begin to, uh, to explore it because up to that time, I was spending most of my time uh, with with uh, therapists trying to uh, figure out what was wrong with me, and, and I wasn't. And and in most therapy tends to keep you going for a long time period. Oh yes. Uh, and I and so I wasn't. Um, I wasn't even. Nobody was even addressing uh, the possibility that there was a prophetic thing to this. I didn't. I had no no thoughts at all about that. But I did. I did observe the differences in the colors, and I I was I went into denial. From, from 79 and through 81, I was in a total state of denial. Uh, I would literally, uh, you know, pray that these uh, visions would go away because I, I just, I felt that, that there was something really wrong with me. Of course. Um, eventually, what happened is that um, that someone uh, appeared at my doorstep, um, said that he had been, they had been sent to see me, and that they uh, heard that uh, that I 
have the ability to uh, to see the life force in people, and that I have the yes. ability to uh, to heal, and uh, and that uh, they needed some help. These were these were gentlemen. They were they were elderly gentlemen, but they were dressed in suits, and uh, you know they um, and and I, and I kept asking them, you know, well, who who told you this? You know, because I at this stage I hadn't told anybody. In fact, it wasn't until the past couple of years that I really uh, was willing to go public with any of this. Um, as it turns out, uh, while they were there with me, um, I was able to, by a prodding from him, uh, I was able to diagnose a problem. And uh, I don't know how I did it. I just, just kind of, he said, well, just tell me what's wrong. We know you could do it. And I remember saying what the problem was. And uh, and then after, you know, asking me more questions about it, and, and he says, just share wh- whatever comes to you. He just kept saying, just share whatever comes to you. And finally, I just turned to these gentlemen. I said, look it. I said, um, you, you know, you don't need somebody like me. What you really, you need a, you need a doctor. You need somebody who knows what they're doing. And right. then one of the gentlemen looked at me and smiled. And he said, I am a doctor. Uh-huh. Um, and as it turns out, they, they, these, uh, they were doc, one was a doctor and one was his friend, his life, lifelong friend. And, um, he, uh, he was, uh, he couldn't help his friend who was dying. Uh, and it turned out to be uh, a mercury uh, poisoning problem that was affecting some parts of the system. And uh, and you told them that. And, and I told them that, and and uh, and then I also described how it happened. And then he says that's true. I, I worked in a, in a in a dental laboratory for, for 30 years, and uh, um, and then we, uh, you know, with some prodding, I, I said this is the things I see. And then he went. And, okay, if I, just one sec. Let me stop you and ask you. Uh, that's something pretty specific to see that somebody is uh, dying of mercury poisoning and the, the circumstances that brought it on. And so my question is, in what manner did that come to you? Was that a vision? Was that just a mental, con- you know, sort of a mental conclusion? You thought about it for a moment? No, and- it was it was that as uh, as he pressed hard with me, vision started to. Uh, and it was very similar to the visions that I, that I, I mean, I was seeing visions since, since the night I lost my voice. The visions would, would occur once a week, once a day. I never knew when they were going to occur. It was the same kind of a vision, except this vision was very specific uh, to the, to him. Most of the visions I was seeing, I had no idea what they were. They mm-hmm. were just, they were ancient cities and future cities, and I, I just didn't know what I was seeing. Um, in this particular case, it, it was related directly to him, and I would just I would just say, this is what I see. And then he would ask me a question, and then I would see a, a part of a vision about, uh, I would see like you know, some herbs, for example, or something, and then I would see, and I would just say, well, I'm seeing some herbs, and, and, and I see the, the name on the, the herb bottle, and, I'm, and then I would just say, it's this and this and this, and, and then occasionally I would say things that wasn't, that you, I couldn't possibly know from the vision. Like the vision might show me something, that, uh, for example, like the herbs. And then I would say, you need to take this, and you need to grind this up, and you need to make a poultice out of this and mix this with this. Wow. And, that, and so I don't know how that part of it came out, but uh, but uh, but he knew. I mean, he, he knew, and he did it. And uh, they left, and uh, and then I saw him again about two or three months later. Uh, they stopped by, and uh, I and I immediately noticed the difference in his um, in his aura at that time. And he came in, and I remember joking. I remember saying, uh, uh, look Looks like he decided to stay, is what I said to him, <laughs> and uh, and that started the uh, the healing process for me, which which lasted up until uh, 1991, and 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 at that time, all of the healing work that I had done from from 82 to, to 
in 91 stopped. It just stopped abruptly. But the, the word kind of got out, I guess, somehow or another, underground or above ground, and you might be able to tell me that, that you had this power, and people, I'm sure, began uh, uh, coming to you and uh, during that period of time. How did you handle that? What did you do? Um, we started uh, to just to see people, and, and, and people, you know, started sending other people, and, and I felt that as long as... Uh, you know, as long as this thing was fairly quiet, you know, and it wasn't uh, a lot of fanfare with it, that 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 I would continue with it if if it was helping people, mm-hmm. and and it also was helping me because what it was saying is that this thing that I was seeing as a uh, as a negative uh, thing maybe isn't negative after all. Had positive uh, applications. Yeah, and so I immediately changed a lot of my my religious thoughts and beliefs about about negativity. It just kind of vanished because. We we literally saw thousands of, of people, thousands of them, and uh, and uh, and and perhaps two thirds of them we were able to uh, to help and improve their life, and and, and some actually uh, not only prolong their lives but probably save their lives. Uh, and about a third um, were not successful uh, for for one reason or another. Uh, I have some viewpoints on, on why that that was, but. Um, so, anyways, it, it changed. I then started looking at things and saying, "Then this is not a, a curse. That this this is um, this maybe it can be a blessing, and and I just need to develop it. I need a to gift. learn how to work with it." Sure, a gift. And so uh, that continued, and you saw people, and you helped people, and you had about a two-thirds hit record until what year? Uh, this went through to uh, '91, and then everything changed in 1991. Everything changed in 1991. All right, uh, we're very nearly uh, at the top of the hour, and it's a, it's we we've just managed to cover the right amount of territory in this first hour. Uh, very very necessary for people to hear this so that they might understand uh, what they are yet um, uh, to hear. Uh, Gordon, a quick question: There are a lot of prophets in this country, or people who would be prophets, uh, and yet you are easily the most highly regarded, the modern-day Edgar Casey. Why? Why do you think that's true? Um, I think that, first of all, I, I, I believe that there are there are many highly qualified uh, sensitives and intuitives out there, and business people in particular just naturally have high level of ESP and intuition. Um, I think that because of the experience that I had, it was so traumatic in my life, um, and and in what I saw, I think I was I, I reached a place a point in place in my life where I was willing to risk and put it on the line. Um, I've received literally hundreds, if not thousands, of letters from from other futurists and. and uh, and geologists. All right, we've got to hold it there. We'll be right back. Gordon Michael Scallion is my guest. Call Art Bell toll-free, 
west of the Rockies at 1-800-618-8255. 1-800-618-8255. East of the Rockies at 1-800-825-5033. 1-800-825-5033. This is the CBC Radio Network. It is. My guest is Gordon Michael Scallion. He is, to me, uh, the most credible uh, person doing the kinds of things that he does. And by the way, his, uh, his hit record, his accuracy record, I think backs up that contention. Uh, we're still in the middle of finding out how he does what he does, and we'll do a bit more of that. But then we are going to get into a predictive portion of the show, and when that occurs... I would like to, uh, and I am right now going to warn you as strongly as I can, you're hearing prophecy. Uh, some of it is, uh, to many people, going to be very frightening. To children, it would be frightening. Please get children away from the radio. Those of you who are frightened by this kind of thing are enjoined to tune out now. And we'll get back to Gordon Michael Scallion in a moment. Okay, once again, the guy that I would call the real thing, Gordon Michael Scallion, is with us. And, uh, Gordon, so let's take it from the stage. You had the power to heal. You don't have that now, do you? Uh, I'm not sure I ever had the power to heal, but I did have the power uh, to diagnose, diagnose. And, to, and to give uh, alternative uh, you know, remedies to, for, for treatment. Um, that went away, and when that went away... Um, it was replaced by some new things, uh, and, and that was that the visions in 91, instead of seeing uh, people in the auras around people or animals, I began to see the aura uh, on the earth. Uh, sometimes it was a vision uh, looking down at the earth. Uh, if I was taking a flight anywhere and I could look down, as I, I could see it from above, when I got closer, I would see different energy patterns on the Earth, different colors. Wow. Um, it, was a, it was a kaleidoscope. Almost it, like it, a, a satellite imagery. Yes. Very, actually, actually, excellent uh, example of that. It's like infrared, but, but full, full body color. And interestingly, the, the colors were very similar uh, in different places. When, whenever I saw um, oceans, um, the colors around oceans, uh, reminded me so much of, of when I would see uh, the blood in people's bodies. Hmm. I mean, sometimes the, the the imagery was so similar, uh, and uh, when I would see certain uh, areas of landmass, uh, whenever I would see blockages, for example, in people's uh, uh, arteries and things, I would I would see the same kind of things, uh, same same kind of colors. So it was almost as if the the earth became human, in which which I my personal belief is that the earth is a sentient being. And because my experiences and my correlations with it are, are were, were too exact, and uh, do you think have to be very exact? Without reference to what has given you this power, do you think that the uh, the time that you could diagnose people by reading, in effect, auras and having some visions was training, so that you could be, in effect, switched over and begin to look at the earth as you looked at people, uh, uh, sort of a way to bring you into it, so you could understand it. I believe that that's exactly uh, what I have been uh, preparing for. Um, never knew it, never. Uh, the whole journey uh, was like a, a, an e-ride at, uh, at Disney World. Um, and, and so each, each day was a new experience, and it continues to be. Um, and so I never was really able to project uh, where it was going. I was spending so much time figuring out where I've just come from. 
Um, but it, it, it clearly was doing that, and uh, and then I began to understand a lot more of, of, of why it was happening to me and and what and what the purpose of it was. That was the most important thing. I was searching for purpose. Sure, of course. Um, when did the specific visions begin? I mean, you go from being able to observe the Earth as a almost living entity, aura-wise, to then real and very sharp visions. A lot of the imagery that I saw in the hospital uh, were little vignettes of what I was seeing. Yes. So what I learned is what happened in the hospital in that uh, that half-hour experience was like a, a time capsule of my life. It was little flashing vignettes of things that I was going to experience in my life. Uh, and as these events happened, I flash back to the hospital and I say, there was a piece of it there. Um, so it was, it was almost like a, a, a time stream shift that occurred for me in the hospital. And, and then in 91, when the visions uh, really began to focus exclusively on the earth, um, the details became, you know, very specific. I began to understand why uh, certain storms were going to hit certain areas or why a quake would, would hit it in a particular area. Uh, I began to understand more about it by just studying it and looking at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then I learned that uh, if visions repeated themselves, it was, it, it was because that I, I hadn't gotten it yet. In other words, the messages were coming clear through, but I wasn't getting it. So the vision would repeat itself until I clearly got it. Until you got it. You once described to me, I think in the last interview, that your visions are, you could almost describe it as three video uh, presentations at, at one time, with one of the video presentations being more clearly defined than the others? Is that, yes, use that, your words. That, that, uh, it, the, uh, the, uh, there'll be three different uh, screens usually. Uh, typically, uh, the Earth was, in 91, the Earth was being shown in three screens, and then about a month or two ago, uh, it only, I only now see two screens when I look at the Earth. But the, the, the brightest and most colorful screen and I learned what that meant was that that was a probable reality. This is probably what was going to happen. It was like very strong that it would happen. The the second vision would be have would have colors, but it would be somewhat muted, and the, and the it'd be the same scene, but the scene would look different. Um, one scene, for example, might show a tree blossoming, and the, and, the, and the second scene might show that that tree uh, being hit by lightning, and then the third scene might show that same ground, but it it it'd be all barren. Oh, and uh, and so I've learned that, that what these are are the probable realities. And that's, that's when I learned uh, early that when I was seeing things for people uh, in the healing modality, um, in about a third of the cases, either I felt that either I was totally off base, I was wrong, I misread it, I didn't understand the vision uh, because nothing had changed. But I, I have since realized that there's a thing called free will and that... Um, we can always be told things that we should do, uh, but how many of us really do all the things we should do right? And and the, these visions were showing me was these are the, the possible outcomes. And uh, okay, uh, well, early on when you began to have those kinds of visions, now obviously, or I would imagine at that time you didn't go public. You probably watched the visions. And did you begin to keep score in your own mind? In other words, as you saw these things either occur or not occur, you must have been kind of keeping score and trying to figure out in your own mind what the right thing to look at was. Um, 
I, I was a, when I was doing individuals, I was keenly aware uh, of, of imagery because, for example, I would see three screens on a person. It might be showing some kind of a, of a, of a unbalance in a person. Yes. And if I saw that person six months later, the amazing thing to me was is that the, the whatever I whatever discussion we had six months before would would, would be an instant recall. And I would look at the screens again, and, and many times the screens would change. In other words, the, the, the screen that was the most probable one, which indicated that somebody was going to, um, you know, be disabled, all of a sudden changed. And that one became uh, a gray screen, and then their, their vitality was healthy. So I, I watched the screens change. And so that told me that, that uh, there's no such thing as that, that everything is going to happen, that there is... There is always that possibility of free will that that we can change our destiny, change our path if we choose. Well, um, um, just as a matter of curiosity, at what percentage of the time would you say that what you consider to be the most probable reality, based on what you were seeing, changed to something else? I mean, was it more often than not, or about two thirds of the cases that that we worked on, we saw uh, improvement, um, and in about a third of the cases. Uh, we saw absolutely nothing uh, at all. I mean, uh, in other words, what you had seen as the worst case scenario manifested. Right. Um, has that, uh, with regard to the Earth changes that you've seen, um, how's the batting average there so far regarding uh, the most probable outcome and what seems to be occurring, Gordon? It's uh, it's changed significantly since um, uh, actually since '91 when all this all this changed. Um, part of it is I think because I'm 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 totally focused in one area now because when other things the, the personal healing uh, stopped and focused into the the, the, the earth, uh, I be, obviously became more aware. Um, but I, I noticed a big shift in, in the year 1987 because even in the 80s I was seeing visions of the earth. Um, but they were scattered visions. They would come now and then, and, and I would... Uh, in 1982, I actually saw what the United States would look like at the turn of the century, and uh, I sketched out and actually made a map in 1982, and and uh, it was so far-fetched uh, that uh, even I didn't believe it, and uh, the reaction to people who I shared it with uh, was, was so negative that I just withdrew it, and I said, I said, well, this is, this is no place to spend my energy. Is that the map you now call the Earth Changes map? Yes. Yeah, it is. Please. It is. So you just, um, you sort of put it away. Uh, I could understand how it would totally freak pe people out. And they, they would not react positively to it. Um, can you describe briefly what that map looks like? Uh, now, we'll tell everybody how they could get this map and your materials later. But, I mean, can you give us a sort of a, a little thumbnail sketch uh, vocally of what that map looks like? Yeah, sure. Uh, let me just uh, add a little little um, detail here for, for your listeners so they can have uh, another point of reference. Mm -hmm. um, the visions that I received in '79 showed the United States uh, what it would look like in the year 2000, and it was it was kind of a general sketch. Uh, um, since that time, I have seen that vision thousands of times, literally. And each time, um, the it, it it hasn't changed dramatically, but because I've seen it so often now, I'm able to draw some finer lines of what it looks like. And finally, um, in 1993, uh, the vision, uh, there were three screens up, up in the 80s, 
when I got to 87, there were only two screens. Mm-hmm. And then in 1993, there's only one screen. And what that tells me is that that our fate is that, sealed. That, we're, that we're, we're fairly locked in in a in a broad sense. Mm-hmm. And um, I say a broad sense because what I what I also see is around the country, I'm seeing lots of uh, of of what I call gold aura colors. In other words, if I'm looking from space down at the Earth, I can see these pockets of, of you know, they're small pockets, but they're pockets of gold energy. And what I have learned is that it's, it's community being reborn. It's people who, through their rightful living, uh, who are getting back to the Earth, they're, they're, uh, they're cleaning up their environment, they're changing their lives. Um, so I, there's a lot of uh, positive lights that I'm seeing, and in those areas is where I see potential for some light modification of this pattern. Um, having said that, um, uh, can you re- can you relate those uh, golden aura areas to changes in the map? They, they I believe that that they are. There's a variable in the map of uh, about 50 to 100 miles of where these lines draw, uh-huh. and I never could figure out you know what that variable was. And I've realized uh, more recently that it has to do with uh, with consciousness, how things are are, are happening. Uh, there are many people who uh, who write me and say that. Um, these things aren't going to happen, or we can change all these things, and um, and I I would like to to truly believe that, but I have also learned to be uh, a true futurist that I really need to share what I see and not candy coat it or modify it in any way, but simply to put it out what I see and let time and history uh, be a judge of its value. Uh, it's a tough thing to do. Because my tendency is to want to, uh, to heal everything and, and make everything right. Uh, yet um, what I am seeing currently is that these changes are set in motion and that uh, these little auras I see can modify uh, these changes somewhat. And, and I do believe that we will see modifications of the map. What I would love to see is the, the whole map be totally modified. Um, it would require such an incredible act now uh, for that to happen. Um, I would love nothing better than to wake up in the morning and see a vision where all of a sudden I see I see two screens again. Um, currently, that's not the case. Another, uh, uh, has that ever happened, by the way? In other words, um, in, in your visions, have you ever had what is narrowed to one screen and something that is definitely going to occur split back into two? Uh, no, I have never seen that. I haven't seen I haven't seen that in individuals, or nor have I seen it in the uh, in in the in any of the maps that I've done or any of the, uh, the, the geophysical changes that I've seen. I have not seen that. Uh, I do believe it is possible, though. Well, I, I guess ever hopeful, huh? Right. All right. Um, what are you seeing on the one screen, Gordon? Okay. Um, the screen shows uh, a series of changes to the United States that begin with the West Coast. Um, uh, in our, our original maps that we published, we, we stated that the first phase is three quakes that would occur uh, northeast of Los Angeles. Uh, and, the, and we forecasted that those things would occur in April of 92 and then again in June of 92. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the magnitudes would be uh, six and seven. And, and those things uh, did come to pass. And then the third one has not occurred yet. Um, I felt for a while that Northridge, uh, we knew 
and we had forecast that a quake was going to occur in January. Yeah. Um, but it did not occur in the epicenter area that I had forecast, uh, which which the, the next major quake I see is in California in the uh, in the Palm Springs area. Originally, it was about a hundred mile radius, and I now feel it. Uh, a little tighter, I see it about a 50-mile radius of Palm Springs. That close. Yeah, and um, and I and I think we will see a magnitude that'll be greater than eight. So that would that would fulfill the, that part of the prophecy that there would be three quakes in that area and those specific magnitudes. Um, when those happen, when that completes its cycle, it then establishes a benchmark for other things to happen. One of the most difficult things with with forecasters, whether it's a financial forecaster or any type of forecasting, is is time. Sure. Um, and so, you know, if we're into financial matters, we buy all the newsletters and we try to figure out uh, who has a track on what's going to happen and when is gold going to go up and when is silver going to go up and so forth That's and so right. on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a difficult thing to do, uh, reading a vision and trying to interpret it. We've had some success at, at what we do here, um, and we've had some failures at it. Um, the failures usually are that the event occurs either earlier or later than we forecast. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, uh, it's a rarity where the event does not occur. As a general rule, and I'm sure there's a lot of people across the country, uh, Gordon, that keep track of your accuracy record, what percentage of the time on these calls that you publish, which are, must be the ones you feel surest of, what's your percentage uh, of accuracy? Um, it varies. We, uh, we publish it uh, each each issue, we uh, each year in January, I, I publish my my major forecast for the year, mm-hmm. and then in February, I we we do a synopsis of what we said from the year before, and so we say these are the ones that we were right, these are the ones we were wrong, and these are the ones that we can't tell. All right, so uh, and based on that, we uh, as an average, if we look at the past, uh, let's say uh, uh, since we've been publishing since '91, yes, sir, um, we find that out of every hundred. Uh, between anywhere between 79 and 87 out of 100 occur. All right, that's uh, exactly where we're going to stop, and that will set up what you're about to hear. Good morning. Gordon Michael Scallion is here. This is CBC. Art Bell is taking calls on the wild card line at 702-727-1295. That's 702-727-1295. First-time callers can reach Art Bell at 702-727-1222. 702-727-1222. Now, here again, Art Bell. What you're about to hear may scare you. Uh, if... If it's going to scare you, if you think it's going to scare you, uh, now would be the time to turn off the radio. You're listening to Prophecy. I think he's the best. He's Gordon Michael Scallion. Now, Gordon, I'm going to take you um, off course for just a moment because there's a little bit of breaking news. Uh, A few days ago, uh, Gordon, in China, uh, there was an ABC-associated press uh, report uh, that there were hailstones, Gordon, the size of basketballs, they actually measured them and weighed them, and they were 33 pounds in size. Then there was a report of softball-size hail 
uh, down in Texas um, for, that ran for a couple of days. Remarkable hail. Did tremendous damage. And now I got a fax two minutes ago that says, Killer hail. Yikes. ABC News at the top of the hour reported a killer storm in northern Texas. Listen to this. Hail smashed windshields and crashed through roofs as people fled in panic for shelter. Two people are dead, many injured, and great property damage. That's from John in Corvallis, Oregon. And so I can't hold this question off. What the hell's going on, Gordon? Yeah, this is um, um, this is saddening because it's, it's um, uh, the China and the Texas uh, events. Uh, we immediately we have a, a hotline where people can call and get the daily information, the weekly information, and we reported those things. And um, it's part of a, of a, of a long-range forecast. The cause of the of this change is the greatest trouble that we're going to experience in the next uh, five years. Um, is going to be weather-related problems. Uh, when the major superquakes occur, uh, that'll that'll take hold. But those are like one event that happens. Right. Uh, but weather is going to be ongoing. And what's happened is that the that the mechanism that's driving all of these changes um, is due to a change internal to the Earth. The the Earth's core itself, I believe, is shifting its position, and it's it's modifying weather patterns. Um, I, I did a report several years ago that I believe that um, in the Pacific, especially uh, around East Island, uh, a large uh, area of uh, volcanism is occurring, and I believe that that's also what would create El Ninos, and 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 I believe it. Then that's one place in the world. There's another place in the in the uh, Indian Ocean where I believe it's also occurring, uh, not too far from Sri Lanka, in fact. And I think that those mechanisms are altering. Uh, weather patterns, um, we're also seeing uh, fluctuations in the magnetic field. We know that it, it, it's not stable. Um, so these are these are the driving forces, and we're going to just see a lot more of this. This is this is not going to be a, a one-shot uh, deal. Uh, we can expect to see this on a weekly basis from this time forward. There will be some form of, of weather phenomena ongoing. This is very serious stuff. I mean, I, I like everybody else. I watch the weather and I listen to weather reports, and we have never, in my experience, in my life, had these kinds of reports. Thirty-three pound hail—that's biblical. Yeah, yeah. This is a uh, this is this is phenomena that um, it, it, which made it really difficult uh, for not only for me but for many people who were seeing uh, visions like this and not and not having a reference point of seeing this kind of such dramatic changes, and it's hard, you know, if if, if, if it was a storm, you know, and we've had hurricanes before, uh, sure. you know, you can understand that, but when you're seeing uh, large large sections of land mass actually breaking off and uh, you're seeing glaciers on the move and, and we're seeing the, the hailstorms that you're speaking of, these things are, are just uh, way out of the normal. And what's happening, of course, is that uh, what's out of the normal continues to become normal now. It's yes, moving yes. more towards that. Yes. This is the end of side one. Uh, and this is going to turn to the social aspect for a second. But I've uh, been using a term. Gordon, I watch the news very carefully. I talk about it every night here on the air, and we'll get to some contemporary news here shortly. But I, I feel, Gordon, a quickening, uh, a quickening of everything, of our social uh, deterioration, 
of the the events like the weather stuff we were just talking about almost in every aspect of human life there's a kind of a quickening going on and things are beginning to occur at a faster pace it's an exponential thing as uh, uh my my pro- prophecies uh, were that in 1990 um that it would begin the cycle actually 89 would begin the cycle and that each year there would be uh, about a magnitude uh, 10 uh, increase on on various high, which I would call energy dynamics. Uh, that the the reaction of the Earth would it's like a train pulling out of a station. It, it has a lot of weight to pull, and it chugs along, and it, and it and it gets moving. And as it gets moving, it gets faster and faster and faster. So what you are referring to as a quickening, um, I refer to as as a, as a planetary energy release that's going on. And this release, uh, you, you can't do anything in the physical earth without it affecting all of us. We're, we're so, uh, we're so tied into it, you know. I, I wish that everybody could see the colors that, that I see. Because you, what you would see would be whatever colors we have on our body is on the earth. And you can see the direct relationship. We know, for example, that all of the minerals that we have on our body are found in the earth. Yes. And we can see so many correlations. The, the oceans at many times are very similar to the bloodstream. And, we can see rivers as arteries and uh, the rainforest as the lungs of the earth. We can see these parallels, and it is moving very fast. And so, 1995 is, is, is what I would consider where the train has pulled out and is starting to gain speed. This is the year. Yeah, there you are. Uh, it's easier for me to say the quickening. <laughs> right. um, now, I want to get down to a few specifics, and then we'll get back to the general stuff, because um, I've got a lot to ask. Palm Springs. Um, where are we in the four quake scenario? There was a, uh, a recent uh, seven and then six point quake, I believe, in the Philippines, and we're all trying to. Dis- and there was another one previous to that in Japan, uh, or off the coast. I'm sorry, of Japan. And so, where are we in this cycle? And it will culminate, you feel, in Palm Springs, correct? Correct. Um... The, uh, the scenario for, for people who are first-time listeners is that uh, four quakes uh, would occur in a, serial, in, in a scenario. What I try to look for is early warning signs, things that we can, rather than say that this is going to happen in the state, I try to back up and, and look for other things that would warn us about these things. And, and what I find is that uh, uh, what I forecast earlier this year was that um, in January, February, a cycle would begin, and it would start in Japan, and then it would be followed by a quake within weeks rather than months mm-hmm. um, in the Indian Ocean and South Pacific, and then within weeks rather than months again by another one in South America, and finally on the west coast of America. And the first uh, cycle was that they would be six magnitude 6.5, and the first cycle did occur, and it did complete itself. The last quake was uh, 6.5 uh, in Eureka, off Eureka. Yes, sir. And so that completed the cycle. Now, the next major cycle begins in May-June. That's the window that I believe it will begin in. Um, and so we haven't, and, and this next cycle that I see is the magnitude will be greater than seven. Now, what has happened is that the, that the, uh, a, a smaller scenario has, has began earlier than I predicted. Uh, it actually started several weeks ago with Japan, as you stated. Um, and the Philippines, of course, um, are, are being hit in the last uh, few days. Uh, Almost constantly. Yeah. And, uh, 
so it is it while this is not it doesn't fulfill the prediction because it doesn't have the right magnitude which is that all the quakes would be greater than seven uh however that scenario is running right now uh even though they're lower in magnitude um some of them got up to seven but the japan quake did not get up to seven it was a, a little over six uh but i still would caution on that's, it in, that's, which, that's in which case within a couple of weeks we may very well see see a quake in the west coast but i, I do want to state that the the major uh, four-quake scenario uh, has not begun because we have not had a quake greater than seven in Japan. Let us discuss, uh, then, when the major cycle, quakes of seven-plus, begin, what then will come when it, when it comes around and gets to the, the fourth event uh, in, in California? If, if it completes itself, if all four yes. aspects of the quake, let's say that there is a quake in the next uh, 60 days in Japan that is greater than seven, and it completes itself, and then and then it comes to the west coast. Uh, then uh, in Southern California I, is where I see the uh, the event occurring. And when it when it does occur, it would be a a major quake. And in you're... fact, the quake would be, uh, would be it would be reported as uh, the big one that everybody's been waiting for. And you have narrowed that area now again. Repeat, please. Uh... A fifty mile radius of Palm Springs. Fifty miles. Um, if a quake of an eight magnitude, I believe you said, or greater, greater. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, hits there, and you believe that will occur in '95, sometime. Uh, uh, you're not. That to occur, I, I know you're not an expert, but I know you talk to geologists. Um, briefly, how would that affect um, Los Angeles? Um, a quake of um, of between eight and nine, and it. it, it you know, the visions have shown me that, um, that there will be quakes greater than nine, in fact, in the West Coast um, by 98. Um, and that could happen any time from now in 98. Even even conventional geologists now are, are forecasting quakes uh, this year. And that, uh, I mean, we ought to spend a second with that. It's true. You sent me a story, and so have several other people. Um, conventional geologists have begun to make predictions uh, also about, um, I believe, this year. Uh, July, yeah, it, it, July. It's a rarity because um, um, the conventional uh, methodology for geology to forecast quakes is uh, is that's not that's not their forte. Uh, their forte is to study it, to understand it, and to give very wide berth. You know, 20, 30 years, something may happen because right. we tend to think of things over over long time periods. But there are uh, there are some geologists who are concerned now by the patterns because we're, we're seeing uh, they're seeing their data that's indicating that, that something is happening. And uh, and more recently, uh, geologist uh, Charles Shamus is the one who is forecasting that uh, a quake in the magnitude of 6, 6.5 uh, would occur in central uh, California. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting that his, his window, based on his data, corresponds to the windows of my four-quake scenario. And that was in February, and I believe it was July 9th, is when he, he forecasted this quake would occur. Again, uh, I, and that's based on his own data, which which we we really don't know what his data is. And I take it they talk with you privately, uh, even more openly. There are um, uh, in 1991, uh, no one would talk to me uh, after we made some forecasts that did occur. A few, uh, and now uh, there are there are many, literally, literally hundreds of them who I've, who I've spoken with. Um, a lot of them uh, are retired, who uh, you know, who no longer are dependent upon uh, their job. Or, or their grants, and 
they can speak more freely. I've been trying to, I've talked to the USGS, and I've noticed the same thing. You can find retired geologists who will talk. The ones uh, still involved in some way are very close-mouthed, and, and that, I guess, is understandable. Sure. But again, an 8-plus quake uh, within 50 miles of Palm Springs, the effect on Los Angeles. Uh, I'll tell you what I saw in my vision. Thank you. Um, in fact, in the um, uh, my next issue, the June issue of our monthly newsletter, uh, I'm going to be discussing specifically this. Um, and so that it might be a good time after I share this that we let people know how they can find out more about that. But, All right. Um, the first thing that I see that happens is that <clears throat> it's a vertical thrust quake, uh, very similar uh, to Northridge. Um, it uh, it runs or it tears the land uh, for miles, miles and miles. Um, the first impact that I uh, that I I can actually hear and see the, in the vision is that I saw uh, a shuddering. It was almost like a shuddering, a calmness, and then I noticed that uh, there was glitter in the streets, and I realized that it was glass uh, that was totally covering automobiles that were parked in the city of Los Angeles. And we realized what had happened is that the glass windows had popped out of the skyscrapers and came crashing down, and it literally filled the street. Um, I then noticed that the uh, that the big portions of the Imperial Valley um, literally were flooded. That water had come in. That the land mass had shifted so significantly and cracked. The elevations had, had changed, and uh, literally detoured water uh, places around. Uh, there was an, uh, I'm not sure if it was a secondary quake that happened later or after, but I observed, uh, in fact, I observed the, uh, up in San Francisco, I observed the, the Golden Gate of being damaged. And, and again, I wasn't sure from this vision whether it was a result of this quake or whether there was one that followed it. But you actually saw the Golden Gate? I actually saw the Golden Gate Bridge twisted like a pretzel. My God. Um, and I saw uh, Mill Valley and, saw, and that whole region out there uh, isolated. I saw a lot of uh, just, the, just the infrastructure and, uh, and a major dam uh, totally uh, leaking, uh, breaking and uh, trying to uh, release relieve the water from damage. I'm not sure where that dam was, but I did see the, that, that part of the vision. Um, I saw most of the highway, uh, Route 5 in particular, uh, uh, broken up. It was totally impassable. Uh, and uh, and so then after the event uh, ended, <clears throat> it was, there was like a relief. Uh, um, most people said, well, finally, you know, the big one has occurred. We can get on with our life and we can, and we can do a rebuilding program. Of course. And then the interesting thing is that um, I, I was out in California before the first quakes came and warned about them. And the response was not, <clears throat> was not a positive one. And so I decided that probably wasn't what I should do. So I, I had, I've decided not to return to the West Coast because uh, I had I went there and I said what I had to say and uh, I, I figured that that things just have to kind of move their own way and I would just continue to send information into California as much as I could. Um, the the interesting thing is that in that same vision I saw myself out in California uh, right after that quake. Uh, I think it had been more than a month after. So. I've learned that that's a prophetic part of my life. I usually see visions about what, what I'm going to be doing. So I, I know that right after that happens, um, that I'm going to be out there. And, and the time period uh, was very difficult to tell. Um, 
I, I didn't know whether whether it was the, the the winter months in California or whether it was the um, uh, the summer. It, you know, I, I had no no reference on time. That was mm. the, that was the thing I've been trying to uh, wrestle with, try to see if I can nail down uh, a time. I do have the sequences down. I'm quite confident I have the, the magnitudes and damage levels. There are times when you can actually see newspaper headlines, aren't there? Uh, yeah, the, uh, the, the Mexico City quake in '85 uh, showed me the uh, the magnitude and and also the, the damage and the loss of life. But you haven't seen that for, for the Los Angeles no, area. No, uh, it's a rarity that I see a newspaper. Uh, it, it, when it when it is, it, it's great because it's just so specific that, that we can we can pinpoint it. The earlier quakes in '92 were a result of uh, of newspapers where we were able to get the epicenter. Uh, exact and the magnitude exact and the time exact. All right. One of your predictions uh, for 95 is Sonoma County and the Bay Areas of Northern California to be hit by a magnitude 8.5, plus or minus 0.3, it says. Now, could that vision of the twisted Golden Gate Bridge, I've n never heard you say that before, could it be from that quake? It, it can be because... Um, I mean, these are coming so close together, Gordon, that I can almost imagine... The damage visually for you, as you visualize it, would mix together, and it would be very hard to delineate which quake had done what. Um, it is hard. Like uh, the, some of the, the the hurricanes of last year, uh, where I, I broke it down as two events, but as it turned out, it was really one event. I, I thought they were two separate events, but the storm changed its direction, and yes. I said, "Well, it's got to be two events. It can't be just one event. You know, a storm just doesn't do this and then reverse the course." And, heading up for, for, Hatt, for Cape Hatteras and those areas, and it really was one event. It's possible that this, this can be one event. There will be, however, uh, multiple quakes in California in the next two years. So, it, so whether this is one that, that, that encompasses the whole state or whether there are others, uh, more will come. This and, is only, and I these, see... are only, these are only the warning signs. This, this quake will only fulfill the first part of the prediction, which is three quakes begin the scenario in California. Um, I even see one predicted for within 50 miles of Portland, 7.2. And again, uh, that could be part of this, just this first series. I know it sounds incredible to people because these would be devastating. But it's only the beginning, isn't it? It's just the beginning. It's, it's you know, it's, it's like, you know, the 32-pound hail hailstones, you know, and, and what's going on, you know, probably as we speak now somewhere in the world, these things are just incredible. Uh, they're, they're things that were, they're hard to fathom, uh, but yet, yet it's unfolding in front of us. We're watching, we're watching uh, our world change right in front of our, our eyes. The beginning is now. Gordon, stay there. We'll be right back to you. This is CBC. toll-free, west of the Rockies at 1-800-618-8255, 1-800-618-8255, east of the Rockies at 1-800-825-5033, 1-800-825-5033, this is the CBC Radio Network. That is exactly what it is, my name is Art Bell, this is Coast to Coast AM, my guest is Gordon Michael Scallion. 
If you have missed the previous two hours, you've missed something very important. And I can only hope that you uh, have one of those radio stations that at the end of the program will repeat the first hour or two. Uh, because it was a very important two hours of groundwork for what we are now going to begin to explore, which is indeed very frightening. If this kind of thing bothers you, please take this opportunity to turn your radio off. Please keep children out of the room. There has been an update. There is breaking news. As all of you well know, we've been closely following this hail problem around the world, uh, beginning with reports uh, verified of 33-pound pieces of hail falling in China. There has been a major, deadly hailstorm in Texas. Uh, the Associated Press is now reporting seven dead and major property damage, gigantic hail falling. Gordon Michael Scallion says it is but the beginning. You're listening to a man who's got between a 79 and 87 percent hit or accuracy record for predictions made through his prophecy. That is an established, documentable fact. Thank God, or it would be very hard to do this program. With that as background information, uh, Mr. Scallion has predicted a eight-point-plus earthquake for uh, within now uh, a narrowed area of 50 miles around Palm Springs, Sonoma County, the Bay Area of Northern California, to be hit by a magnitude 8.5 earthquake, plus or minus three. These things are predicted to occur in this year, 1995. Remember, it doesn't have to be, but according to Gordon, uh, well, let's ask, Gordon, uh, it doesn't have to be, but how likely is this scenario beginning to become in your mind? Um, since the first one has um, ran its course and, and went through all four stages, <clears throat> um, it indicates to me that the probability is high. Uh, I do not believe that we will, we will go through 1995 without a major earthquake on the West Coast. Whether we have multiple ones or a single one, uh, remains to be seen, but I do not believe we will get through this year without at least one major quake occurring. Have you seen more? Have you seen, you've seen the results, you've seen the glass on the ground from the skyscrapers. Uh, what about the social effect? You told me something that I'll never forget. You told me where I am here in Southern Nevada will be, um, through the first event, a place that people will flee to, along with no doubt many others. Uh, and there will be a movement of refugees uh, or victims or the walking wounded from California that will move in mass toward my area. Is that correct? That's what the visions indicate. The, the first uh, waves uh, create tent cities along the California-Nevada border, um, and literally they house uh, literally millions of people. Uh, and it's a military operation. Um, and then... Uh, as changes increase between 95 and, and 98, um, they then move further into Nevada. And, they, and, and so the, the movement, obviously, <clears throat> is going to be eastward uh, and north. Those are the two, two areas of movement that I, that I see. Uh, one of the visions I had showed, um, uh, and it, it was a nighttime scene where I saw cars uh, that were somehow who had made it uh, east 
uh, of San Bernardino. Uh, they made it that far, uh, and, and also uh, further up, you know, towards uh, uh, east of uh, Fresno, that area. Somehow they 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 were cars that were bumper to bumper, just just winding over the mountain into Nevada and into uh, into Phoenix, heading towards Phoenix. Uh, thousands upon thousands of cars. It looked like a uh, an amusement kind of a, a ride with just uh, as far as I could see, I could just see the headlights and taillights of cars. Hmm. Everybody trying to uh, to get out that could get out. Most uh, were were unable to and uh, literally found themselves. Uh, you know, ended up in, in these uh, in these uh, what I call tent cities. And uh, in '91, I we talked about this this occurring uh, by uh, by '97. Uh, and of course, with Hurricane Andrew, we actually got a chance to see tent cities, uh, what they really are like. Do you uh, do you see numbers of dead? Do you know numbers of dead? Do you know what kind of human price is going to be paid if if and when this occurs? I, I do not know specific numbers, and and I think that there's there's so many variables. Um, the only thing that keeps me going, doing what I'm doing, um, was that when I when I when I produced this map in '82 and it was rejected by uh, by friends and peers and others, uh, and then I, I reemerged it in '91 again because I, the visions were just so clear, uh, and I knew initially that it would be uh, it would be a hard thing to present that. Uh, that myself and my family uh, would go through a lot of uh, of negativity as a result of it. But I felt that here was a, a snapshot of at least what one person's visions were. And whether it was entirely accurate or not, uh, I don't think it was as important that even if a part of it was accurate, even if one, 1% one of it was accurate, it, it, it could be valid and it could act as, a, as an early warning sign. And so I felt that... Um, from that, that point of view, it would be a, a valuable thing to, to create this, this future map of the United States. And, uh, and, and to that end, I, I'm beginning to see those kind of things happening. I'm, I'm, seeing, uh, I'm seeing more people who are willing to look at it and, and say, well, I could see this, this might possibly be. Um, yes. You also predict a uh, 6.7 earthquake for southwest Nevada. I mentioned that since I'm in southwest Nevada. Um, plus or minus uh, 0.5, and then a big one on the New Madrid Fault, somewhere between 95 and 96. In other words, a little bit later, possibly, but nine-point earthquake. We're um, we uh, in the number of of earthquakes that are uh, that are sevens and eights uh, has not. Uh, I mean. We only have, and we're not really sure of that, as my geologist friends tell me, that of how many uh, nine earthquakes we've had in the, you know, recorded history. We we think that there are are one, perhaps two, um, and but even even an eight earthquake is considered uh, staggering. We had two of those last year. Correct. Um, now, uh, I think we have to rethink. Uh, uh, we have to start thinking in terms of. Quakes, not not in uh, six and seven and eight, but we need to think in terms of of uh, of nine, ten, eleven, and more. I really believe that we're going to see. There, that. there are. Okay, let me stop you there, Gordon, because whenever you say that, there are always people who say that is impossible. The top of the scale is supposed to be what ten? Well, there there is no uh, there is no no top of the scale. Um, for the, long, for the longest time, we've, we've had different scales. We've had the Richter scale, and, and currently we're using the magnitude scale. Um, there's various scales. In Japan, for example, uh, 
seven quake there is, is their most uh, destructive, which was Kobe. You know, which, which, and, and that was it. That, that, as far as quakes go, was not a, a huge release quake. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't what we would call an eight or a nine or greater. Not what you're saying is going to happen. Right. So uh, there is no theoretical uh, limit uh, uh, to the, the amount of release. As you increase uh, each point or each fractional point, the amount of energy released is phenomenal. Yes. I mean, we're talking, we're talking things that I realize that are totally unprecedented. You know, there's. We know in past history that we've had things like Krakatoa that, that created uh, you know, massive stuff. We know we know with things that happened with uh, with Pharaoh and that blue, and, and so we know that complete cultures were, were were either submerged or buried under volcanic ash. So, and we know there was cataclysms that occurred 10,000 years ago. We know in history that that things in nature can happen very abruptly. But we tend to see things over a period of long time periods, thousands of years, hundreds of thousands of years, millions of years. But yet, it can happen quickly. And my visions indicate that we are in that quickening time. Quickening, thank you. Well, all right. Um, so these catastrophic quakes will occur, and then you say the country will sort of begin to pull itself back together again and start recovering from all of this. Uh, and I can imagine human beings are very elastic. We would begin recovering, but then comes another series, doesn't it? The uh, the, the series becomes, uh, you know, the the talk, of course, for you know, for years and years, have been, you know, California will break off and fall into the sea sometime. And uh, yes, if we look at the cliffs along part of California's coast, we can see these sheer cliffs, which indicates that at some time in history, something happened geologically. Um, we also can see that in Nazca and different places in the world, we can see these sharp clips. We know that, that sometimes something occurred. Uh, I see that kind of, of an event. Uh, I see three phases of it. The first phase fractures California from Eureka. Uh, if you draw a line from Eureka to Bakersfield uh, down to uh, the Baja, uh, along that line, uh, everything to the west of the line fractures, literally, um, uh, by 98, 2001. Uh, by, by 98, that that occurs, and uh, uh, shortly thereafter, which would be measured in uh, in months, uh, it, it could be a little longer, it might even approach a year, but I, I doubt it. We would see a, a secondary fracture occur, and that secondary fracture um, occurs up in uh, Newport, Oregon. So if you draw a line from Newport, Oregon, mm-hmm. uh, right through your state to the middle of uh, your state of Nevada, mm. down to to Phoenix. Uh, another fracture occurs there, and that then becomes the second West Coast. Uh, My God. Then uh, by 98 to 2001, it happens again for the third time. And this time, you'd have to draw a line uh, up uh, further north of Newport. Um, you'd have to you'd have to look at that area there, and then and Salt Lake City area, or just just north of Salt Lake City, for example, uh, becomes. Uh, Part of a coastline and uh, east of Cheyenne into the, just into the the, uh, the southwest portion of Nebraska becomes a, a part of a coastline. So literally, about the western third, or not quite, but near third, breaks off in in three stages, as as I have been shown in these visions. Yeah, and and this whole process uh, completes itself uh, by the year no later than the year two thousand and one. So That's we're, we're talking time. about a six-year time period. Uh, not much time. Uh, 
well, there would be uh, millions and millions and millions of people dead. Uh, it, it, there can be, and, and it can be reduced. I think if um, uh, I think as things begin to happen, uh, uh, there's another magical thing going on now that I've observed. At the same time, this, this Earth is doing doing its it, it changes. Uh, I'm noticing a major shift in consciousness. I'm, I'm, I'm noticing, uh, because that's all I do all the time, is work with vision and, and with other people who see vision, is that people are coming more intuitive every day. And, uh, and a larger number of people are listening within. They're starting to, to listen. And, and they're just, a lot of people, I've had so many letters of people said, you know, something told me to, to move here or move there, and I didn't know why. Yes. It didn't make sense, and then all of a sudden uh, somebody showed me your map, and now I understand it. Is we it, we is probably it, have thousands of letters like that. Is it a, like a return to um, Native American beliefs? In other words, this consciousness that we are part of a living earth, uh, that more and more people are beginning to uh, realize that. I believe so, and, and, I, and I believe that uh, what we're seeing is, uh, is the Native American tradition, and we'd have to look in other countries too, the Aborigines and, and the, the Maya. And what we're seeing is that um, uh, that many of them are teachers. They're, they're establishing some some groundwork, uh, some structure uh, that we can follow. Their, their tradition, and it's been preserved through their prophecies, and that's emerging right now. We're seeing, a, I'm seeing personally a lot of that, and. And more and more people are coming. And we, if we look at it, we look at the recycling movement, and we look at the, uh, uh, the people who are, who are trying to clean up the environment. There's a large movement out there yes. uh, doing that. And, and there are. Yeah, and I think it's because at, at, the, at the superconscious level, everything that I am seeing, uh, like I said, even if a fraction of it, is, is, it turns out to be correct, other people are seeing the same thing. They, they just are interpreting it different. It's on a, mm -hmm. on a subconscious level with most people. Most people are going about their lives, their careers, their relationships, uh, and they have pressing matters in their own life. They're, they're on their own life's path and mission and following their own star. Uh, and that there's some people who, like myself whose, whose mission is, is, to, uh, is to present uh, these things uh, in such a way that, that it may be of some value. All right. Uh, let me stop everything for a moment. Uh, you have got various materials. You have your Earth Changes map, I know, that is available. And what else do you have that people can get, and how do they get it? Okay. Uh, probably the most um, – uh, there's, there's, there's two things that I think are, that are important uh, to have. One is a, uh, the future map of the United States uh, is, is a large wall map. It's, uh, it's in full color, and, and it shows and it gives the warning signs uh, for these changes to happen. Oh. The, the, so the map has not changed appreciably for uh, for several years. So so it's an, so it's even better than just a map. In other words, it is a map, but then within that map, it will show you um, what to look for before that change occurs. Correct, and, and it gives you the stages, and it actually shows you with inset. This is what happens first. This is what happens second, second and third. So you can see see that. And and we've been talking about the West Coast, but there's also going to be changes in the in the in the central portion of the states and the East Coast. Uh, that map, I've made it um, affordable for people um, just to get it out. It, 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 it's $12 uh, plus a shipping charge. And, and the other item is to keep people informed is our, is our newsletter. It's a monthly newsletter. Um, it's called the Earth Changes Report. It, 
Uh, it's mailed out first-class mail, so uh, I want to be sure that everybody gets it, that it's not uh, not locked up in, in some post office because of bulk mail right. uh, demand. Right. So it gets there. Uh, we try to get it to people so they get it anywhere in the United States around the, the first uh, two days of the month. Uh, it updates uh, uh, predictions, and it also covers other visions I've seen in other areas. That's a, it's a valuable tool, and, and uh, that's $36 for the year. Um, and those things can be, uh, you can get those things through our, our toll-free number. We have, uh, we have operators that are, that, uh, with Service Bureau, uh, are 24 hours. They're, they're on duty right now. And that number is 1-800-628-7493. 7493. In other words, you've got a staff on right now. Yeah, the staff is, is on 1-800-628-7493. And the operators are probably not standing by. They're no doubt sitting there, but they're about to be jumping. So, <laughs> one eight. Let me give it again. One eight hundred six two eight seven four nine three. And we will repeat that as the program continues. All right, Gordon. I'm going to bring you for, forward now to a couple of contemporary events that demand uh, your attention. One is the horrible bombing in Oklahoma City. I mean, it was a major, catastrophic, horrible event that now, because it apparently was done internally by people in this country, is beginning to socially tear at, at uh, a very important fabric. And socially, there seems to be more division, more hatred, more of all of this than I've ever seen in my life. I worry... Gordon, there may be a civil war. Um, do you see anything in these areas? Uh, I've seen uh, um, an extensive uh, series of visions dealing with the the infrastructure and the social climate of, of the United States. Um, and what, several of the things that we've talked about is that uh, terrorist activities in, in the United States begin in 95, and, and that has begun. Yes, it's right down here. Yeah. Um, the I do not see civil war uh, based on on a revolt or the Constitution. That hasn't been part of my vision. I have, however, seen the United States completely changing its political structure and becoming uh, a series of colonies. This is a, a real uh, old prophecy of mine going back to the three nineties, but. Um, would this follow the major changes we've yes. just covered? A, yes. So, in other words, we would form as as colonies again, literally. It would be uh, several states joining together, and, and it's mostly because of, of earth changes and economic collapse, which I believe uh, we're about to begin. I believe both of those things are going to occur this year, and and it's going to force uh, states to pool their resources together. Uh, and, and share uh, fire departments, share police departments, schools, things of this nature, and resources. And, and, and also, I believe we'll, we'll go back to a gold standard and a commodity uh, standard uh, as a way of, of, of commerce. And uh, well, we'll be a, well, we'll be a much smaller country. Yeah. So yeah, we'll um, that's, that's really fascinating. So you can see that future America. How far, how far ahead, Gordon, do you think that you have seen in any vision? Um, I've seen it uh, uh, about 1,800 years out. Wow! And, and then it, and then at that time, uh, it stops. I, I don't see anything further. The Earth is still here, but we're it, not. Um, 
I don't know that. The, the visions I basically see at that time is uh, it's like a calmness. It, it's almost like um, I just haven't gotten that information, and and I don't know what it means. I don't I don't believe you know that civilization has stopped. Um, I think it's just it's just been the upper limit. Uh, for example, uh, ten years ago, I only saw to the turn of the century. Right. And so I think as I develop. Um, and I get more more background information and more visions. It then it prepares me for the, for the next for the next series of things. All right, Gordon, that's a good place to hold it. Hold it right there. Gordon Michael Scallion is my guest. Uh, you can order a copy of this program beginning now by calling one eight hundred nine one seven four two seven eight. That's one eight hundred nine one seven four two seven eight. We'll be right back. Line at 702-727-1295. That's 702-727-1295. First-time callers can reach Art Bell at 702-727-1222. 702-727-1222. Now, here again, Art Bell. Here again I am, and there's more breaking news. You're just not going to believe this. You're just not going to believe it. Um, I'm getting faxes from uh, Denver, actually from all parts of the country right now. They're just flashing in. The news break, apparently, in the last few moments is begin re- uh, has begun to report an earthquake in Indonesia, of all places, which I believe is right, unfortunately, in line with what Gordon Michael Scallion has been talking about. A 5.6 earthquake is has just occurred. I believe, in Indonesia. All right. Um, back now to Gordon Michael Scallion. Uh, good heavens to Betsy, uh, Gordon. 5.6 in Indonesia. I'm getting faxes like crazy about it. Uh, where does that fit in? Um, that area, uh, that, that general area, has been active. Of course, it's, uh, you know, the Philippines is, uh, is uh, some distance to the north of that, but it's that same region. It's, it's part of the, you know, it's the Indian Ocean region uh area there and and, and it, it fits in the, in the net um uh, it's it, it, that same cycle that we talked about earlier but the magnitudes are lower uh the ones that i've been uh looking for is, is the ones that begin that are greater than seven but we're in a cycle but we, we are definitely in a cycle it's clearly in a cycle so i am i i would say that if it completes its pattern then within weeks we're gonna we're gonna see uh something that's going to probably be in the sixth range at least in in the west coast. Uh, it could be larger. But I think we're we're, we're in the window window for that, and uh, uh, it's like a window within a window. Now, uh, Gordon, uh, I I want to do something that I didn't do last time. You know, because of the obvious massive changes coming that you've seen to the west coast. Let's talk a little bit about the central and east coast. And then for, ever, for whatever you do, don't let me forget to ask about Alaska and Hawaii. But right now, central and east, what's going to happen? Um, when all of this change occurs on the west coast, uh, and then uh, people begin f- fleeing, uh, the survivors a- anyway, then what? Well, there's a, there's a time delay between the, the, the west coast. The west coast occurs first, and then, and then the... Then it will uh, move to the, to the central portion of the country, and then the east portion of the country. And what will happen is that 
people who are who have displaced. Most of Californians are, are not native Californians. A lot of people who who moved there during the high tech times, especially in the eighties. A lot of those have family on the East Coast and right. and other parts. So those people who have family will will go there. Um, the the thing that's going to drive these changes is a actual shift in the North American plate. That's actually what I see occurring. I've actually watched the thing in slow motion in multiple visions, and I you've seen I, it happen. What I've is... actually not only did I see it in a vision, but I actually heard it. I heard the cracking sound. I actually saw the sound waves being emanated uh, traveling across the country. Um, the Earth actually buckles in the central portion of the United States, but it it, it fractures first in, in the West Coast, um, and then it fractures uh, further in, as I said, towards uh, you know Colorado and, and Nebraska area, and then uh, on the East Coast, uh, is it, the changes are kind of the last part of it. Um, in other words, the, the East Coast will be affected later. And by later, I'm talking about. Um, Months to at the most a year. I have a I have a mother who lives out on the very tip of Long Island. Um, toward those final changes, what, where would Long Island be? Um, uh, we have a, a daughter who went to school in Long Island and uh, was thinking of staying, and uh, and I got her to to leave Long Island. So that probably will tell you. Uh, I do not see Long Island uh, or good portions of of any of the islands, uh, Martha's Vineyard or any of the islands. Uh, surviving at all. I don't see any part of it, in fact. All right. The final series of changes will then occur to the East Coast. Um, and on the mid, the mid portion, uh, to answer that question, was yes, that please. What, what I see occurring is that um, the weather pattern changes are going to become, as they are as we speak, uh, more drastic. But we're going to see a major shift in climate, major shift this year. Uh, and these these are going to be uh, they're going to last. They're not going to be something that's going to happen for a short time period. We're going to pretty much go to a three season uh, country. Um, three and, what, and what we're going to see is a, a significant melt off is going to occur, and we're going to see rising uh, water. Part of the reason for the rising uh, water tables is some land is going to sink and some land is going to actually rise. Oh, Gordon, let me stop you. I have two reports that I'd like to run by you. Sure. One is that the um, the level of water wells around the Palm Springs area has been increasing. I also have another report from a larger scientific source that says the level of uh, the oceans is now beginning to rise. Have you read any of that? Um, both of those things have, uh, we have watched. It, uh, we've seen it uh, significantly or measurably uh, uh, in Greece, for example, in the harbors there. But we, we know that there, there are shifts. Um, and what's actually happening is that the contour of the Earth is actually shifting. We're seeing a bulging. This this magma displacement, uh, the core displacement, is actually pushing land masses, uh, and it's displacing water. So we, I have uh, been aware of, of that. But it's going to uh, occur slowly at first. We're going to see, uh, you know, this year we're going to see massive winds and massive flooding. Those are two things that uh, that we predicted for the year in January. Uh, a lot of wind, incredible amounts of wind and tornadoes, a record break in this year. Uh, and, and those winds will, will be, you know, throughout the east, eastern seaboard and, and out in the southwest. And, and we're seeing indications of that already. Uh, we're going to see as, as this, the, the St. Lawrence is going to become a major uh, seaway. Um, and this, is, this again, occurs uh, before the end of the century, so within the next five years and, and perhaps 
earlier rather than later. Um, and we're going to see the Great Lakes uh, expanding significantly so, so that it, it forces water uh, down through the Mississippi, and it will actually uh, uh, divide the United States uh, between east and west. So You mean a water divide? The water divide. In fact, it, it, it literally becomes uh, two smaller uh, land masses, if you will. We're going to have the eastern United States and the western United States. Um, in the future, I have seen this, this spectacular engineering feat where they, they build a bridge, the longest bridge in the world, longer than we could ever imagine, that spans these distances. That, so, would, uh, that would, would attempt to reconnect us and unite us uh, again. Yes. And, uh, and, and that I have seen that, uh, that, that whole project completed. Oh, um, how far into the future can you tell? Um, yeah, that, that, that occurs before the year 2012. I think the inauguration of that is 2011, where I actually saw the ribbon cutting on that. Uh, pulls that together. Uh, but, you know, it, it fills down so that uh, Louisiana, uh, just about all of Louisiana, uh, is would be part of this new Mississippi Seaway. Underwater. So that would be an example. Underwater. underwater. Louisiana will be underwater. Right, and the eastern portion of Arkansas and uh, the southeastern portion of Illinois and the northwest portion of Indiana. Uh, about 50% of, of Michigan um, actually becomes two islands. Upper Michigan and Lower Michigan is what I saw them being called in the future. Uh, the Great Lakes merge and become this one large inland sea. Uh, the, the southeastern portion of Texas, um, Houston is uh, becomes a, a seaport. Uh, and it pushes it all the way back into uh, some 50, 75 miles uh, from San Antonio. So I'll give you an example down. So even even the southern portion, southeastern portion of Texas becomes. And then as we look around in the Gulf of Mexico, what we find is that, that portions of, uh, of uh, Florida, uh, it could be as much as 50% of Florida. Uh, that's fairly easy to see because Florida is a very flat yes. uh, region. But about 50% of that uh, becomes uh, underwater. Uh, east of uh, the, the south of the eastern portion of South Carolina, everything pretty much uh, maybe 20, 50 miles from Columbia, South Carolina, to the coast gets pushed in. And so we begin to lose part of the east coast, um, but uh, the relatively small parts, uh, uh, you know, they're, they're less than 50 miles of the east coast. Unfortunately, in our society today, in the world, most of our population is on the coast. That's right. Um, so herein is, is, where, is where we have massive movements of people. Uh, a lot of these changes are going to give advance warning because we're going to watch these things unfold. One of the things about our, our technological marvels today is uh, it's like your show tonight is, is being broadcast through satellite. It's yeah. traveling around the world and, and, and People instantly are in communication. Fax machines tell us what's going on. Video cameras show us what's going on. We watched uh, Kobe. We watched Oklahoma. Uh, we all participate in, in, in that in, in some emotional and spiritual ways. Uh, and, and these things, are, I think, are going to actually aid us in many ways. Um, and so the variable that I see is even though these land masses are occurring, there's still, I think, I think it's still out for judgment how we play it out. And, and a lot of people may very well uh, be saved uh, because of our technology today and because more and more people are beginning to listen within 
You know, I, I tell people, don't listen to what I say. Watch and, and, and track what I say. And, and then if, if it makes some sense to you and it can, and it can help you, then, then it's a valuable thing. If not, then just put it away for another day. Gordon, you back. said that you see the future world uh, as some sort of peaceful place. Um, assuming all this occurs, and I'm not here, and a lot of other people aren't going to be here, is it going to be a good world, this next world, after all of this? Uh, it's the one saving thing of, uh, for me, personally. Uh, living with this uh, every day is, 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 a, is difficult at best for anybody. And so when, I, when other people share their experiences with me, I really understand what they're going through. Uh, what, I, what I do see is that if, you, if we can imagine what we would want the world to be, yes. uh, it truly is what I see. And uh, I remember from my religious training, uh, you know, about the, you know, the, the, the coming and, and then this next millennium of peace and things of this nature, and I never really understood it. But I actually see it now, and I see it clearly. It's more rural, uh, especially in the, uh, in the, in the, the southeast part of the, of the country. Uh, I could imagine a new respect for Mother Earth, a new understanding of Mother Earth after events of those magnitudes. It, 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 it's, it's different. The whole weather patterns have changed, so everything is, is a very uh, temperate climate, and, um, and so the, the weather is totally different, uh, and, the, and the sky is different. The colors uh, are totally different. Hmm. It, would be like you, it would be like you went to another world. Uh, there's a, obviously, the, the, the population is clearly less, but I don't know how much less. But I do know that people are living uh, two to three hundred years, and I know that uh, people at birth uh, have high uh, uh, psychic spiritual abilities that are just natural. Uh, I know there's, uh, if you look in the sky, there's two suns and not one. The second one is not as large. As the, two suns. There's two, it's a two-sun system, but it, it's smaller, much smaller. But it's clearly, if you look in, in the sky during the day, and one sun is just coming up on the horizon. You can see the second one uh, setting almost, and it's, it's smaller. It's like a huge bright star, but it's clearly another sun. Well, uh, as in as in the motion picture 2010, a star will be born. Or yeah. yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, Gordon, uh, I've got to do this. Hawaii. What do you see for the islands? Uh, a, a lot of uh, uh, volcanism, which is. is it's natural for that part of the world, Correct. Um, but I, I see clearly uh, uh, at least uh, uh, 25% of that landmass um, giving way to the sea. The biggest problem I see there is the huge uh, tsunamis that I have seen um, being uh, being hit uh, multiple times. Uh, I think six to seven times, if I remember correctly. In other words, as these uh, West Coast changes occur, obviously. Not just them, but but Japan. I see. I see. Uh, uh, I see. I see Japan creating. Um, thinking of Japan creating uh, more tidal wave damage. The West Coast too, obviously. But uh, I was aware that what was going on in, in, in Japan really created most of the uh, the damage to the uh, to the world. Um, all right, Alaska. Alaska, which of course has experienced a tragic earthquake and it's not too distant past, what will happen there? Um, Alaska uh, stays pretty much the, the same. There, there's, a, there's an inland sea that develops uh, inside of it, uh, so it, it does lose some of its landmass because of the rising uh, water. But 
most of uh, of northern Canada uh, and good portions of uh, the central portion of the United States, uh, but Canada north and including um, good portions of Alaska remain geophysically stable. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you were to look at what you see for the future of this country and you wanted to move to one of the safest places, the center of uh, what will be uh, fairly geologically stable, something you could live through, where would you go? Well, I, I'm there. <laughs> uh, I could live anywhere in the world, and uh, I've chosen uh, this area. The reason, And there's many. There's many areas. In my future map of the United States, uh, it, it, if you look at the contours, and I suggest that people take about a 50 to 100-mile radius uh, inside of that, uh, the lines that I put, what the new coastline is like, and then find places in there. The southeast portion of the United States uh, is excellent, uh, some of the best. Uh, portions of Ohio, West Virginia, Virginia, North Carolina, and South Carolina, uh, mostly, uh, again, away from the coastline. Uh, those are those are good areas, uh, good portions. So that's, that's a dynamic area. Uh, portions of Pennsylvania are dynamic areas. Uh, Nebraska and, uh, and Kansas are going to be uh, very significant, uh, as, as will uh, Iowa. Uh, you can New, almost, New Mexico itself is, is an area that is probably going to expand, and, uh, and in many ways it's going to become the new entertainment uh, uh, capital very soon, in fact. Uh, Hollywood can, will move there. And, uh, Gordon, you can almost close your eyes. And as you picture the fracture you talk about in the big one in the center of the United States, you can easily see why what you're saying would occur to the coasts would occur. I can picture that in my mind. Uh, Gordon, stay right where you are. Gordon Michael Scallion is my guest. It's a rough message. If you want more, there'll be more in a moment. AM with Art Bell, live on the CBC Radio Network. To call the show toll-free from across the nation, dial 1-800-618-8255. That's 1-800-618-8255. The wild card direct lines are area code 702-727-1295. That's 702-727-1295. And if you've never called the show, try the first-time caller line at 702-727-1222. Anybody east of the Rocky Mountains can use the first-time caller line at 702-727-1222. When your call is answered, please turn your radio down. Each caller will be allowed up to three minutes, giving more listeners a chance to join in. And now, enjoy Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell. All 
right back down to Gordon Michael Scott. Gordon, uh, this news is beginning to freak me out a little. Uh, this is a building story down in Texas. Softball size hail is gigantic hail. It's not as big as the uh, 33 pound stuff in China, but there's beginning to be too much of this, and it does appear to be uh, the beginning of something new. Yeah, it's it's, it's the pattern. You know, we've uh, we've seen it begin with the floods. You know, the Mississippi floods. We've watched the the hurricanes. Uh, this year is going to be devastating with, with hurricanes and tornadoes. Just devastating. Um, and in in Texas, uh, getting hit very hard uh, and has been uh, this year. And uh, and yet more is to come, at least with with wind. So it is it is a, a it is another indication. It's another part of that prophecy that uh, that so many uh, uh, futurists out there have been stating for years that that when weather pattern changes become erratic and dynamic, um, that would indicate that we're into the final, you know, the final days when 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 greater changes will will follow with the Earth uh, upheaval. And so, you know, we've we've entered that 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 stage, and we can just, ex- you know, we will learn to expect that this will, will be happening on an ongoing basis. All right, Gordon, I want to start answering some telephone calls. There's, you know, they've all been full for hours. Let's try it. East of the Rockies, you're on the air with Gordon Michael Scallion. Hi. Hi, how you doing? Okay, where are you? I'm in New Orleans. Yes, sir. Uh, I was wondering about the sun. You said there's going to be two suns. Will the uh, sun split, or will it just... Where will the other sun come from? Um, it's... Um, I, I've done a, um, an article on it in, in, the, in our newsletter, past issue, if you want all the details, it's available there, but... Uh, Generally, what I've seen in the vision is that another uh, sun uh, moves. Uh, we, the Earth itself doesn't move into uh, another orbit, but another another sun uh, moves. In, in, in almost it, in the vision, it was like it just appeared, but I was aware that it, that it had moved uh, outside of our system and entered into our system, and uh, it literally appeared overnight. Uh, and again, you have to remember that this would be like a star. If you could imagine at night looking at the brightest star uh, you can see, uh, it would be like that during the day. It, it would be clearly visible, and then you would know that this is a, a, a tiny another sun, but it would be clearly there. Um, so what do you how, do? how it happens and the whole dynamics of that is is, is, uh, is is another matter entirely, but it it, it comes from outside of our system. Really. Hmm. All right, sir. Thank you. Um, fascinating. First time caller line. You're on the air with Gordon Michael Scallion. Hello. Hello, sir. Where are you? I'm at. This, I'm Joe in Sonoma County. Sonoma, yes. And um, I have his future map in the United States, and it doesn't show anything around um, the United States. And I'm wondering if he's going to come out with a map of the world changes that are going to be happening all over the world. Well, now there's a very good question. Uh, you've given us a map of our country, Gordon. What about the world? Um, yeah, that's uh, that's probably the one of the top three questions that's, uh, that's asked to me. Um, what I have been doing is producing uh, tapes on each continent as I as I get enough information. I'm assuming that because I live in the United States and and in traveling here that um, that I get the, the deepest clarity. I have, uh, I wait until I see a, a vision occur so many times that I that I'm sure 
that it's a stable vision. I'm, I'm very cautious before I uh, uh, release any information. And in many places in the world, I have not seen that kind of uh, specific vision. Um, I have uh, I have done audio tapes on on the world. They're available. Um, and uh, to do the do the map, uh, the first map took took so many years. Um, and I find that my schedule is such now that uh, you know we're, I'm working 18 hours a day, seven days a week. Uh, it, it's hard to, to to put that together. I have no plans uh, at this stage to do it. My 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 first emphasis right now is to focus on on what I can do for this country, and I'm trusting that other futures and other countries will uh, will be somehow guided to do what they have to do. All right, Gordon, if you could uh, snap, this is a, probably a hard question, but if you could snap your fingers right now and make all of this, all of the visions stop, would you? At, at this at this stage, um, I, I've never thought of that, but I, I would say that um, I, I would do it if I felt that there was nothing further that I was going to see that would be helpful, and then I would say yes. Uh, Every day that goes by, I I actually almost say a prayer that says, you know, I don't want to see any more visions. Stop this. And then after you know a few hours go by, or I wake up in the morning after having said that before I went to bed, yes. uh, I say, well, you know, what if I see another piece that could be helpful? And then I, I find myself continuing on. So I I'm in a, a, at a, at a at inner battle with myself constantly. If it's helpful, then then I'll do it. And and if it if it stops and I no longer see visions, uh. Then, I, then I, it could go away. I would, I would do that. I would say yes. Let it go away. All right. Uh, west of the Rockies, you're on the air with Gordon Michael Scallion. Hello. Hello. This is uh, Daniel in Cogo Land. Yes. Uh, hello, so that, that would be San Diego. Yes. Um, I was wondering. Um, I've uh, read the, uh, the account that George Washington had his vision recorded in the Library of Congress about the uh, where he uh, foresaw the uh, this, this destruction of America by by foreign armies. And I was wondering if you've envisioned any uh, invasions uh, by, you know, America well, being invaded. Interesting question. Mm -hmm. I've um, I've seen extensive visions on, on on the United States, as I said earlier, uh, on the uh, the geopolitical structure, and and I have uh, I've never seen a vision. Uh, most of the uh, the chaos and uh, and the disruption that I have seen uh, comes from within our country and not from without our country. Uh, the rest of the world is going to have problems much more severe than we are. Even though the changes I'm I'm speaking of, that's obviously uh, unbelievable and, and and dramatic, cataclysmic. The, the rest of the world is actually has a much harder time. Uh, so they're going to be dealing with their own uh, their own the war that that I believe has begun in in, uh, in Europe, which will then spread to the Middle East and uh, throughout Africa. Uh, so I don't see that. I have never seen a vision where there were foreign troops in Europe, but I, I do see uh, a crisis in our own country uh, and divisions in our country. I do see that. That, that may be starting now. Gordon, uh, because of your accuracy record, because of the amount of respect you have, and because um, you're saying the kinds of things you're saying now, uh, you must feel you must really have terrible, terrible struggles. I mean, to go public... Uh, uh, with this must have been um, a gut wrencher. Yeah, it was. Um, it was something that uh, I would, on, on a conscious level, I would have, I would have never done this. 
there are too many other things that, that I would have liked to have done uh, and, and still have those feelings, other things. Um, but it, it was, you know, what happens is that when you start to see these visions and you see how it disrupts people's lives, I mean, Oklahoma was a classic case for me. I mean, the empathy that, 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 uh, that Cynthia and I felt and just watching that thing unfold and then also seeing the, the, the outpouring and, and the, the compassion and, and the, the psychic link that went on with, uh, with the millions of people who were tuning in or probably billions of people in the world tuning in, um, I see, I see more of that occurring. I see more of those kind of uh, connections. And it's that, those kinds of, of connections that I see that, that, that tells me that um, as difficult as it may be, um, that there, there's still some, some really uh, positive things that, that come out of it. I'll, I'll, anytime there's a crisis or a relationship falls apart or you lose a job, you know, it gives you an opportunity. And I, I think we're going to be faced with those same kinds of opportunities. Lo- and lots, I'm faced with them all the time. Lots of opportunities. <laughs> That's a positive way to look at it. East of the Rockies, you're on the air with Gordon Michael Scallion. Where are you, please? I'm in uh, Charleston, South Carolina. This Charles. is Jack. Oh, yes. Uh, Mr. Scallion, uh, you mentioned that when you were first in the hospital, when you saw the uh, spheres, that you also saw symbols. Yes. Uh, do you know someone named uh, Deanna Emerson? And Keith, and uh, I don't know where I'm going with this. She uh, has studied you know, the supposed face on Mars and symbols on that and also on various parts on the Earth. And I was wondering if you're familiar with her. If any of your symbols that you saw are the same as the symbol she is. Orrin, let me add to that a little bit. Uh, thanks for the call, sir. Um, have you ever been able to decipher, uh, or has anybody, the symbols that you saw? Um, I have been able to, uh, to to figure some of them out. Uh, this year, in January, I was uh, visions told me that I needed to clear my ca- calendar and go to Egypt. And when I went to Egypt... Uh, I, I saw the symbols, some of the symbols that I actually saw. Really? Uh, when I was in the Great Pyramid, in, in, internal to it, uh, I had all kinds of incredible experiences. In fact, it was probably, next to losing my voice, that was the next most dynamic thing that ever happened in my life. Can you tell us some about the pyramids? Um, I'm fascinated. Many people are fascinated by them, and, and I didn't realize you'd had that experience, so tell us. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, when I, the, the Great Pyramid, is is the is one of the oldest uh, structures and uh, it uh, when I was there I actually had a chance to uh, to watch it in a vision instead of vision being a few seconds like it normally is I watched a vision that lasted for probably 15 minutes at a time and I actually watched the construction I watched the the whole land and uh, you watched the construction I watched the construction of it how um, I mean how it, it was, it was it's like when I was watching a vision, instead of seeing three screens, I was looking at one screen, and then I, the next thing I knew is I heard a pop sound, loud pop. Yes. And the next thing I knew is that I was inside the vision. I no longer was watching it with my, my inner mind's eye, you know, like we would imagine something. I was actually part of it, physically there, and I could hear the people, and I could hear the, the chanting that was going on. I could see these, these prehistoric birds that were flying in the air. Wow. Um, it... Um, Last three, in fact, it was such a dynamic thing that the last three issues of, uh, of the Earth Changes Report, I, I, I share that whole experience so that, that I felt that other people might recall it uh, to their subconscious mind. But it was it was a structure that was built, and it was built uh, over uh, over 12,000 years ago, and it was built as a uh, form of a time machine. 
uh, it was a large machine. Um, now that's much different than the other pyramids that were built as tombs. This one wasn't. Um, as a and, and then and, and, and a cataclysm occurred, a major cataclysm similar to what we're going through right now occurred. And part of the reason of building that structure was to foretell uh, things that were going to happen uh -huh. uh, around the year 2000. Uh-huh. And so then there is power in pyramids. There is power in specific pyramids. Uh, I, my experience, of this, my, my orc vision of looking at uh, pyramid hats and things of this nature, I have not seen uh, the emanations of energy that I see when I look at, at, a, at the physical pyramids. At the, at the physical pyramid shapes definitely emit all forms of energy inside and out. Um, now, this may sound silly, but they recently built a casino in Las Vegas that is the biggest pyramid I've ever seen. Now, I've not been to Egypt, but it is uh, definitely pyramidal, and uh, a lot of things occurred during its construction that were very odd. Quite a number of people died. Uh, and a lot of people had a lot of things to say about, I mean, what is, wh what is the power of a pyramid? Um, I'm not sure, I'm not aware of, of what happened in, in the Nevada, but I can only speak about what happened with my experience in, in uh, Egypt at the Giza Plateau. Um, the pyramid, uh, the specific pyramid, Giza uh, pyramid, or also called Tiap, um, is uh, two million three hundred thousand blocks, each block weighing almost as much as an automobile, and and they're manufactured with a precision, a jeweler's precision, this incredible structure, um, and it does two things that I observe with my vision. One is it it structures magnetic fields. I've, I actually watch uh, the, the fields themselves contour in. It, it actually actually extends it. The second thing I observed is it, it, it's a collector. It collects um, uh, energy uh, from it, and and I could see the energy just emanating. So I would call it a cosmic energy. It, it, it's uh, life force, prana force, whatever we want to call it. Is that energy uh, what is manifesting the change in the magnetic uh, field? No, I think that it's a separate thing that goes on. I think the piezoelectric effect of all of the the, the pressure of all of the, of the granite stones and the limestone stones uh, does creates the, uh, the, the basic structure of it. And then I think the shape of it and its orientation adds to it. It's a combination of forces. Any one force by itself would not, would not function properly. You could build uh, a pyramid out of something else and you would not get the same shape. You would have mm -hmm. some effect, but not the effect designers wanted for that one. You say you saw its construction. Yeah. It seems impossible that human beings could have constructed uh, that particular pyramid. Um, I've heard that again and again. So if you saw how it was done, how was it done? The, uh, the stones themselves were quarried uh, on site, many of them. Uh, if you were to remove the pyramid from, from its base, what you would find is, is uh, in the center of it is a passageway that, that descend down uh, four or 500 feet deep. So uh, underneath the pyramid, there's all kinds of uh, cutting that was done, not only there, but in and around the plateau. So a lot of the limestone came right from that side. I was watching them uh, cut holes, and they, and they used a, um, um, a form of a laser. The only way I could describe it, because it was a loud humming sound and a very sharp uh, a light that would occur uh, at the stone, but 
between the instrument and the stone. I, I, I didn't observe any light, but when it hit the stone, it was a, a light. So they actually cut these stones um, from uh, from using a laser technology. But that implies a, te a technological civilization that did not exist, and that implies that there have been previous civilizations on this very uh, earth, really, that have come and gone. Yes, yeah. no? Yeah, for, for me, you know, and I have a technical background, so I tend to look at, at things a little, a little differently. And and when if you if you go into that pyramid, and I, I when I was there, I wondered, I actually wondered how many Egyptologists actually have gone inside and spent the kind of time I did inside of the Great Pyramid. Because if you went to the the Grand Gallery there and observed the magnificence of this gallery, 30 feet high, stones weighing up to 50 tons, polished, perfectly straight. You can see the you can see tracks that have been cut and grooved in the thing. Perfect. I mean, everything is is perfect. And you you look at this thing and you say, there is. I mean, we could not construct that today. The, the Japanese tried to do a scale model there, right on the plateau, and, and gave up. And gave up. I heard that. Yes. Yeah. They and they used everything. Technology is the whole nine yards, and they could not do it. Gordon, stand by. God, this is fascinating stuff. A lot of uh, new stuff. If you would like to order a copy of this program, um, please be patient. The lines, of course, are jammed, but they are open 24 hours a day throughout the weekend and the week. The number is 1-800-917-4278. 1-800-917-4278. We'll be right back. Question, uh, Gordon. Please ask Gordon. After the geologic fall of the West Coast and then really the rest of the country, what will be the major military world power? Will there be one? And also, and this is very important, contamination. We've got stockpiles of chemical, biological, and nuclear weapons. Other countries do as well. What will happen to all of this stuff? Uh, unfortunately, the, the things that uh, that we've done to, uh, uh, to the Earth and the things that we've um, misused are going to come back uh, to haunt us. Uh, on the nuclear issue, first, um, I do do see some. Uh, I, I see. Uh, I've been forecasting a, another tragedy, uh, a nuclear disaster in this country, uh, in within the next couple of years. Do you that, know, can you can excuse me? Can you tell us where? I don't know. The only thing I saw in the vision is that I, I was on the other side of the Rockies. In fact, I was at the foothills of the Rockies looking east. So the only thing that I, that I knew from the vision was that it was somewhere east of the Rockies. Okay. Um, uh, and, and what it did, however, is it, it, it immediately started, uh, and, and other uh, things have happened, like the major quakes have been forecasting. And so the, the plants across the country begin to shut down like dominoes literally shut down. Most of the plants are old and are are in trouble right now anyways. Uh, but this kind of does it. And there's an uh, amazing breakthrough in technology that I believe has already uh, been it's already been developed uh, and I think it's being um, used, but I think it will surface for general use. And that's the way to take our nuclear stockpile and it, it neutralizes it. It's an incredible uh, technology and I've seen a vision of that. So the nuclear waste uh, gets gets cleaned up very very quickly as a result of this uh, this 
plant that they built to do that. And they, in fact, they built several of them. Hmm. Um, the, uh, the, the chemicals and uh, many of those things, uh, that's another story. I see much of the water being, being tainted. Most of the problems I see is that salt water leaches into freshwater systems. The water is, uh, is going to be the, the number one prime problem. It, it will be the price of gold currently, uh, and that's what we're going to see here. Water, uh, water worth the price of gold. Right. I mean, who, I, I wouldn't have believed 10 years ago that, uh, you know, you'd be buy, you know, buying a bottle of water for a couple of dollars. That's true. Um, and, and so, you know, it, it's going to, it's going to increase that, that much. So we're going to have, we're going to have problems. We solve some of the problems, other of the problems are going to be difficult. Uh, fresh drinking water is going to be, uh, going to be a major problem. There will be some technology that will come out. Filtration systems. There'll be a, a lot of that that will be will be forced out. Uh, it would we already have these technologies. It would it would have to. Uh, one other question. Um, we ha now have AIDS. We have other things that are attacking us. We have Ebola, uh, Zaire, and Ebola. Several other varieties. Things that are attacking human beings. Diseases. The flesh eaters. The rest of it. That are occurring now on a scale that rivals the increase in activity in every other area we've talked about. What's going on with disease? Uh, our, our whole system uh, is breaking down. Our, our immune systems are breaking down. Uh, many of the diseases that, that we have now are, are, are what I call diseases of consciousness. Um, we're, we're, we're finding that we have so altered our, our food source and that's that's one of the major things. When I look at uh, at the, uh, the vibrational colors from foods, I can clearly see the difference between, you know, an organically grown uh, tomato, for example, and one off of the shelf, you know, that, that was flown in. Yes. Um, I mean, the difference is that uh, there's very little life force in it, so it's amazing that we're able to even sustain ourselves. Uh, and yet we're in a, we're in a society that we, if we live in a city, we can't very well go and and and, and have big garden plots that to serve our whole family. There are things that we can do, though. But in either case, uh, I, see, uh, I see the changing in the, the, the earth itself, the magnetic forces, all the chemicals we've pumped into the air, the pollution, the, 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 the heavy positive ionization of the atmosphere. I see all of that as having broken our systems down. And, and I'm here just speaking about the, the physical body. Now, if I look and start talking about the subtle bodies that I see, the things that, that I see that, that science doesn't accept yet, I see those bodies uh, in much worse shape. Um, when the physical body finally breaks down, it's it's happened at other levels first. It happens at the mental level and the, and the subtle bodies first. And so it's so uh, if you're a healer and you, you tend to, to if you want to see where the cause is coming from and you want to see the stages of it, you look at the subtle bodies. Um, it's going to continue, and these and these diseases and plagues will continue, and there's going to be uh, seven. Uh, that that I forecast uh, in uh, '91 that we, we would see in the '90s there'd be seven seven plagues that will occur. The the, the positive side of this, uh, if there can be, is that um, at the turn of the century in the year 2002, when I looked there, most of the diseases that we had are gone. Like AIDS is totally gone, mm. and, and it, it it goes away in a snap, and it's a result of the of the changing magnetic field of the Earth, its frequency. And its, uh, and its density changes, and it simply eradicates uh, most of the diseases. Uh, it creates new new difficulties for us, of course, as we, we would imagine. But the but 
but AIDS in particular just simply vanishes. But that will be then, and that, and this of course is is now. And right now there is a combination. There's a large combination of things that we were do, we are doing, or almost everything we're doing that is attacking our immune system. That is what I see, and I see our subtle bodies being totally uh, drained. They're just being drained from uh, environmental uh, and what I call, uh, you know, just psychic pollution. All right. Uh, very quickly, back to the phones. East of the Rockies, you're on the air with Gordon Michael Scallion. Hello. Uh, yes, hi. This is Neil from Springfield, Illinois. Yes, sir. Um, I was wondering, uh, Gordon, do you see any extraterrestrials um, visiting the, uh, the planet within the next 50 years? And when do you think the uh, that great calm is going to occur? All right. Um, many people have questions about that. Things that are seen in the sky, UFOs, um, that is part of the, the same quickening. There's more and more of that going on uh, down in Mexico. Hundreds of thousands of people have been having sightings. Uh, Gordon, do you have any comment on all of that? Uh, I believe before this year is out, uh, we will see broadcast uh, and we will have knowledge of the existence of other life uh, and there, it will no longer be a question. Wow. Will, the only questions will be is that it's, it's been fabricated by government agencies. It, I mean, we'll go into that uh, normal cycle of, of, of denial of anything that changes. Oh, but but, well, but to prove what you just said, the bombing in Oklahoma City, there's a, there's a group of people out there right now, Gordon, that are saying the government blew up its own building, its own people. They believe that. Uh, I did not specifically see the Oklahoma in, in a vision. We, we did, but it was interesting that several weeks before I, I did have a vision that Cynthia and I talked about, and, and, and I didn't understand it. Um, but what it was is it was a large explosion, uh, and then I saw a clock, and the clock ticked away, and when it got to the 10-second mark, there was a second uh, uh, explosion. And then immediately I saw this... Uh, image played itself again the first time, the first explosion, and then I saw uh, it was an echo wave that came back down, and, uh, and and it made no sense, and so we didn't report it on our hotline because unless I have the specifics of it, I just I just don't do it. Uh, and then after Oklahoma, as soon as I heard about Oklahoma, immediately that vision snapped back, and I said, I think this is, this is what may have occurred. This is what may be with the second, um, because there was, there was, there was two, Two seismic recordings that it's occurred spaced uh, about, I think it was 10 seconds apart. Um, but it was due to, to a single explosion. And, uh, and, and the visions that I have seen since then uh, indicate to me that, uh, that it, it clearly was a terrorist act. Well, yes, but my, my point was that, as you were pointing out, a lot of people, I mean, you, you've made an incredible statement that by the end of the year, their presence will be known, and a lot of people will think it is the government as right. they have thought it's the government in Oklahoma City. Right. That's remarkable. East of the Rockies, you're on the air with Gordon Michael Scallion. Where are you calling from, please? Uh, 50 miles north of New Madrid, Missouri. All right. Ground zero. Yeah, ground zero. <laughs> you're on the air, sir. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I was wondering if you foresee this quake... Being, could you co correlate the damage to the one that happened in the early 1800s here? You know, the river ran backwards. There were temporary falls on it. I, I think whole, we'll, whole towns disappeared. Yeah, um, we'll see many of the, of, of the similar things. Uh, the thing, 
course, its difference is, is, is that the, the industrialization and the population base is so, so different than it was back then. Uh, what, is, what I see cause in this quake is different. Uh, I see a, a buckling in the middle of the country. Uh, anytime we see activity in the Indian Ocean region, we can expect that we'll see uh, activity, uh, significant activity in the Indian Ocean. We'll see significant activity in the, in the, uh, the middle to the western part of the United States. Uh, there's a cycle there that I've, I've seen in my vision. And we will see, uh, uh, we'll actually see um, some water supplies totally just disappear. So I've seen that vision, they just right away. Uh, and I've actually seen land masses in some areas um, uh, being shifted up where elevations uh, will shift several hundreds of feet in some areas. Some hills will actually come down, others will come up. So this is a, this is a major land uh, bulge or displacement. It, it rise, it, it, it's like um, uh, boiling water where you see a bubble come up. It, it, it rises up out of the ground and then it just collapses back down on itself. Whew. Uh, on the wild card line, you're on the air with Gordon Michael Scallion. Hi. Hi, Art. This is Martin in Seattle, Como Country. Yes, Martin. My question for Mr. Scallion has to do with some possible correlations with other futurist-type organizations out there. I know that you've interviewed Lori Toy and yes. had uh, her map yes. of the future of America, and also you've stated that you wanted to interview Elizabeth Clare Prophet and the prophecies that are coming through her. Yes. My question for Mr. Scallion is, has he perhaps networked with some of these other organizations or compared his work to see some interesting correlations? Yes, uh, that is a good question. And uh, uh, what about that, uh, Gordon? There are other people doing significant work. You may be, to me, you are the most significant of those people. But uh, there are others. And how does the work correlate? Uh, what we're saying is that um, uh, there are many people who... Uh, who are now receiving uh, information. As we get closer to events, more and more people uh, will see the event because the psychic image gets stronger. Mm -hmm. um, and there's correlations. Uh, I've, I've had uh, people send me, I've, I currently have about 10 different maps, from 10 different people who don't know each other, and I didn't know these people. But they're from around the world, Russia, uh, New Zealand, and they've sent me uh, copies of, of their work and unbeknownst to, to me or each other, uh, there's, there's similarities. And what, what we see is that the cookie cutter is very similar. If we look at it as a cookie cutter, we're, we're seeing similar events. We may vary where we see the exact lines go. Um, and what I, uh, what I see is that um, it's, it's, the, it's the pattern that we're all seeing. We're all, we're all kind of talking from the same script now. That we really are. It's true. I, yeah, I, we're I, seeing I, major weather changes and we're seeing geographical changes. Now, as far as networking, uh, I have done, I've done. I've done something significant. We've been testing this for a year. In fact, uh, uh, anybody who is a, a current Earth Changes Report subscriber will uh, will receive notification of this uh, in the in the June issue. We have actually created a massive uh, database network system that operates with a regular telephone. Anybody with a telephone anywhere in the world will be able to call in a prediction. Not just mine, but anybody can predict it. And by using a simple phone, they can register. If it's 3 o'clock in the morning, they get a vision. Uh, and these don't have to be people who are well-known. They can just be – because I think most people who get visions tend to want to keep it quiet. Sure. Uh, they're afraid to even admit it to themselves. Yes. But they can call this in, and this database is updated uh, on an hourly basis and tabulated. And any time that we get a consensus of something's going to happen, we post it on this 
on this network, this phone network, as, as a early warning system. Oh, that's and, fascinating. And that will include the uh, people who are, are well-known futurists uh, and, as well as, as, as novices. Anybody can participate. The more people who participate, the, the more data that we're going to get. Well, you say we're all in the same playbook. Now, obviously, you, you've already begun this. Uh, how do what you get from that when there is a consensus, how does that seem to compare to what you see? Um, if I understand your question correctly... Well, in other words, once a consensus is reached through uh -huh. a massive number of calls, right, uh, and you're then able to compare that to what you see, how much correlation is there? Well, it, it, it may not be the same. Um, most of my forecasts and predictions are, are, have already been published, are already out there for a long time period. Um, where we start this... Uh, this this begins. This system begins in, in June. Oh, okay. We, we've been testing it. Uh, the things that we've been testing is kind of a beta test, uh, working with uh, some known uh, futurists uh, predominantly, and we have had some novices. What we what what I have found with a small number of base of people that there were only a few out of the base. We we only had a base of a hundred in the test. Yes. And we only found uh, two out of the hundred that, that were able to, to forecast an event. Part of the problem we had back then is that we didn't have a way of instantaneously having people would have had to write in their forecast, and then then we would enter it into a computer. And we found that that time delay just didn't work because so much of this is impulsive things. Sure. And once going through the telephone, it, it makes it easy. Uh, the predictions that uh, that did come in uh, correlated uh, very closely with with. Uh, with predictions that uh, that I had made for long term. That was the question. All right, look, I've already held you four hours, and I think for Gordon Michael Scott, that may be a record breaker. I've got one more hour of show, and in this next hour, I had planned to tell them, I assume you must go here at the top of the hour, is that yep, correct? Yes, I do. Um, I sent you, and I don't want to really discuss it, Gordon, uh, right now, but I sent you some fairly frightening material that was sent to me. You know what I'm talking about. Yep, I do. And um, for a long time, I refused to discuss it on the air. I talked to USGS. Since some of those predictions, fortunately, have not occurred, um, I'm going to tell the audience that whole story in the next hour. With the remaining moments we have, tell people how they get the Earth Changes report, how they get the map and any other materials, give the number out again. Okay. Uh, there's a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week, uh, 800 line. They can call toll-free, 1-800-628-7493. Uh, the items that I think uh, of, of the things that we have, the, probably the most, most important thing to have uh, is, is, is the future map of the United States. It's, uh, it's $12 plus a, a postage charge. Uh, to keep updated on what we're doing, our forecast, and how you can plug into this new network, this phone network. Phone network, by the way, will also give daily uh, earthquake activity in the world and a weekly summary. Uh, and so you'll be able to keep informed about what's actually happening. Uh, and there's other things that it's going to offer. It's going to offer uh, resources and networking. And, it's, and all you need is a telephone. You don't need a computer or anything. Okay. And that'll be announced in the Earth Changes Report. And uh, that number again is one 800 628-7493. For the individual, just a couple of more words, one more moment. For some anybody out there, any individual person, what do you advise them? The most important thing you can do today is really learn 
the trust uh, within. You have to learn to trust the gut feeling. The business people will say, I, I bought that land because it was a gut feeling. I bought that stock because it was a gut feeling. I moved out here uh, on, a, on a gut. That gut is, is intuition. Uh, the two things that I, that I see that are going to make a difference for people to get through these times is, one, you're going to really have to start trusting your intuition, uh, absorb everything you, you get out there, and then, and then in your quiet space, sort out based on your feelings of, of what's real and what's not real. In other words, listen to yourself. Listen to yourself. And the other thing is, is uh, learn to become part of your community. Uh, community uh, is going to what's going to make the difference when when difficult times come. Gordon, um, I appreciate the world record interview. <laughs> As always, you're you're great to interview. Um, this has been a classic. Uh, Gordon, thank you. You're welcome. Good night. Good night. Gordon Michael Scallion. Well, if that wasn't a classic four hours, there is no such thing. Uh, if you...